movie reviews, Super Bowl picks, trash talk, reminiscing, betting lines, call-outs, call-backs, shout-outs, and you guessed it, the camel episode. Enjoy, my gentlemen. I'm a simple man. I'm a simple man. Don't want to complicate you. This could be bad luck for me to talk to you on this day. (laughs) Well, you just took the Browns to the Super Bowl, so anything can happen. The Browns? What are you... Didn't you just take a dump? No. That's really funny. That's true. Oh, man. We're playing in the Septic Bowl. Yes, that's right. I don't know. I don't want to jinx you, but my team lost in Miami to the uh, sentimental favorite. Yeah, the, uh, what was it, the Colts? Yeah. Was that in Miami? Yeah, that was uh, it's awful. And, there, you know, the, the audacity of people like, well, at least you lost to Peyton Manning. I'm like, no, you don't get yeah. to tell me that. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't help to lose to somebody, right? It was, you know, it was like, Tony is the first African-American coach to win. Well, Lovey Smith was coaching, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what you called that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Lovey Smith is a good coach. I feel like he got kind of the short end of... Uh, he just say. could not... He. He was so good as a defensive coach, specifically, I mean, his background was in linebackers, and, right. um, you know, our linebacking core was unbelievable under him. Uh, is, yeah. yeah, but he could not find an offensive coordinator to save his life. Yeah. He kept going after these legacy coaches who just had fallen behind the league, you know, and, uh, good, good names, but just, yeah, their systems didn't work in the league anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what, what, uh, platform you're watching the game on tonight, but the Fox sports app will, uh, is showing it in 4k. I wonder if that I can do that on my Xbox. You should be able to. Yeah. I, I'll, y'all have to check that out. So uh, anybody that listens to this before the game tonight, which is in four hours, <laughs> in four hours, um, write that down. Uh, yeah. This is going to be a big episode. This is kind of the Super Bowl of episodes because yeah. um, we're going to bring things back around to a head. We're going to add in the camel episode at the end. All right. Extended episode, kind of like an extended halftime, you know? Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Kind of like the Puppy Bowl, like the alternate halftime show. Yeah, yep. And uh, Matt Murphy's coming. What time does Matt Murphy get into your house? Oh, he won't be here till probably like five thirty or so. Oh, okay. I was gonna try to add yeah. <laughs> 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 
we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I think yeah. One of those things that we need to talk about is uh, John Wick. Uh huh. And yeah. the Super Bowl. And also, I've, I saw, I've seen 1917 twice. I've not so. seen it, but that's probably one of the movies. Um, uh, if you live near Cinemark theaters, mm-hmm. uh, Cinemark is doing a really cool thing this week, the 3rd through the 9th. For $35, you can get an Oscars movie pass. Yeah. And it's selling every one of the Best Picture and Best Director nominees in your past if you into any of them you want to watch. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and so 1917, Ford versus Ferrari. How many of the, the Best Picture nominees have you seen? Uh, I think probably just 1917. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Ford versus... that much these days. I just yeah. had two different sets of friends that wanted to go see 1917. So yeah. I loved it so much the first time that I had to go see yeah. it again. Yeah. Absolute, yeah. absolute masterpiece. Yeah. I've been hearing all that. Did you hear about how, yeah. they, how they shot it? Yeah. They, uh, it was very similar to Birdman, except more real. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, yeah. Only, there's only five camera shots in the whole movie. Right. So it, it's, it's and Birdman was shot to make it look like it was all done in one take. Yeah. Yeah. And the amazing things it's, that they did to keep that uh, yep. illusion up. Yeah. That's the, that's the same thing they did with this, and it's it's unbelievable. So it's two hours, um, divided by five, which is what like twenty two and a half minutes or something. Mm-hmm. No wait, that would be. Hold on, 120, divided by five, yeah, 22 and a half, 20, whatever, 21 and 0.33 minutes. Um, so, uh, wait, what would that be? Let's do math real quick. 24 minutes. Is it? Five times 24 is 120, yeah. That's what I said. Um, so, so, that being said, is, mm-hmm. one, it's, it's very hard to tell when the camera is actually changed. Which right. is watching 24 minutes of action and dialogue, you know, right. without the camera changing. And, yeah. and when I, the first time I saw it, I didn't know that because I was, I was so afraid. To, I'm always afraid to see spoilers before a movie, so I, I just oh, yeah, yeah, out yeah. everything before I go to the movie. And mm-hmm. so the first time I saw it, I had no idea it was shot like that. And, mm-hmm. and like 15 minutes in, I was like, the camera hasn't changed. Like, it's been on these dudes the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's brilliant. It's a, I mean, it's such a... Mm-hmm. It's, such a, it's a... It's a basically a, a compilation of a lot of different stories that this mm-hmm. director, uh, the guy's name is Mendez, um, the guy that directed it. It's a bunch of different compilation of stories that his grandfather told him uh-huh. from World War One. Was it? Uh, and he, just, he did the screenplay with uh, some friends of his and they put it all together and he directed What it. other movies has he directed? Because I know I've seen something else he's directed. Uh, i look it up. Um, but, uh, Fantastic movie. If you guys haven't uh-huh. seen it yet, um, it's amazing. I wanted to see. I want to see Parasite really, really bad. The Korean one. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw Ford versus Ferrari, which was very good. But I mean, you know, it's 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 good. There's nothing wrong with it. But is it best picture worthy? I don't know. Right. Um, George McKay, who is, um, uh, the, I guess he's really the star, as I say, his co-star, but he's, he's mainly the star uh-huh. of the show, um, uh-huh. is just such a phenomenal actor in this movie. 
Yeah. It's incredible. The amount of the amount of dialogue you had to memorize and all the blocking to get I mean, Oh yeah. They would walk they would walk, you know, six hundred yards um, and have to hit like the end point, like it had to be perfect where they ended their dialogue to like pick up the next conversation. It was mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool. Mm-hmm. So I guess the reason why we were talking John Wick in the first place is because it was one of the recommendations. It was actually a recommendation, I think, twice. Yeah, yeah, on your yeah. On your brother's episode, and maybe even three times, because Daniel Thompson, I think, has an unbeatable record for the number of movies he recommended. Who does? <laughs> Daniel Thompson, or, uh, yeah. Because, you know, he's the pilot. He, uh, he gets to watch movies everywhere he goes. Dan, so he, I, I think he must have recommended like thirty movies <laughs> on his episode. Uh, your your brother recommended John Wick, and then somebody else. And so, I think on Black Friday or Cyber Monday, I picked each one of them up on four K Blu Ray for like eight bucks a piece. So, oh nice. So yeah, I watched. I've watched each one of them. I'm trying to think if I watched... Oh, I watched Free Solo. That was Jared's recommendation, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And one other person may have also mentioned that one. Yeah, it was me, yeah. Yeah, that was... That was... That was an intense one. Um, I, I, yeah, Free Solo, um, I think, is probably one of the best documentaries ever made. I think it's probably one of the best storylines ever. <laughs> uh-huh. I just think I think it's, I think it's the perfect storyline. Um, oh, so in this, 1917. Uh, he did uh, Skyfall, James Bond. Skyfall. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks. Oh my gosh! Yes, that's. Yeah. A, have you ever seen that one? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but that is. He was the producer in that movie. He was the director. Oh, okay, okay. Um, that one has a. Uh, Who's the Paul Newman's in that one too? Yeah, yeah. That that one's really. I, man, I probably haven't seen that one since it the year it came out in the theater. But I remember it being really good. Yeah. It's like one of one of Tom Hanks's few like uh, heel turns, you know. Yeah, and he plays a hitman. <laughs> so if you want to see Tom Hanks and not his uh, America's Dad role, that's a good one. Um. What do you, um, what's your, uh, what's your take on the game tonight? I, I was not hedging my bet when I posted, <laughs> <laughs> that was my I thought, explanation I for was, why I think it's going to go the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny because it was like, the Niners would win by with three points, or the Kansas City Chiefs could win by four I don't trust Andy <laughs> Reid enough. That's like my, my reasoning for picking Sam. Francisco is that Andy Reid's experience in the postseason leads me to believe he will make a game management, clock management, or several mistakes. Yeah. That, uh, is not, and, you know, Kansas City really improved in the playoffs, stopping the run. Yeah. And I don't think that's likely to continue. Yeah. As an analytics person, you have to I'm I'm not an analytics person, but as a, as a fa- as a fan of analytics, you have to kind of look back 
and see where is the regression most likely to happen, and that's the place I think you have to say it's most yeah. likely to happen. Yeah, and unfortunately, Kansas City's defense is going to have to either choose to play the run or play the pass. They're, mm-hmm. They can't cover both. They're going to have to stack the box, uh, or they're yeah. going to have to drop back. And people forget the Niners have been so boring. Like, mm-hmm. they've been boring as crap the last two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Garoppolo threw for less than 100 yards in both games, his, his lowest mm-hmm. passing yards of, of his entire short career. Mm-hmm. And people forget that he he averaged 300 yards passing per game this year. Mm-hmm. And they had they were several games, including the the Saints mm-hmm. game um, in in season, um, mm-hmm. where they had to win the game on his arm. And he's come through every single mm-hmm. game when they put it on his arm. The um, only thing that would scare me if I was a San Francisco fan is how fast the Chiefs can score. It is unbelievable. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the, that's why I was saying the Niners can win several ways. They can win with the run. Right. They can win on Garoppolo's arm uh, off the play mm-hmm. action, um, and they can win with defense. But, but uh, Mahomes is is unstoppable. Yeah, like they they they're gonna try. They, I mean, they may get a chance to slow him down a little bit, but that mm-hmm. is unstoppable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. matter which way his body's falling or who's on him; he can throw a dart whenever he wants. And they are the they are by far the fastest team. As yeah. I mean, just—it's they're ridiculous how fast they can score. Yeah. But you know, I think the old—did uh, you listen to the Football Outsiders podcast that I sent you the link to? Or no? You know what? I want to say I did. I want to say I, I did listen to it, but I have not listened to it. So, so the the old chestnut about like defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Schatz, uh, who's gone back and done data, you know, I think. Maybe the entirety of the Super Bowl era now, maybe not. I don't know, but he he said that's that's only true because of it's such a small sample size mm-hmm. for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, normally offensive efficiency is what uh, wins games, um, not on not necessarily offensive, uh, you know, explosive plays, but offensive efficiency. That's the whole. That's the whole reason why I got into analytics in the first place is because, you know, for years and years, the NFL's metric on, and it still is today, technically, the official NFL metric on who is the offensive and defensive leader is the most yards and the least yards. Mm -hmm. The offense that's ranked number one is the one with the most yards, and the defense that's ranked number one is the one that's allowed the least. So, but that makes zero sense. Like, if you think about it, like... What if your offensive line was really bad and you were prone to getting holding and false start penalties? Yeah, and you were always backed up into first and twenty, mm-hmm. and you got you got nineteen yards but never made a first down. Exactly. So, and the first thing that made that popped in my head that was like, oh, this is what I need to be looking at is when, when I, I read first read Football Outsiders and they talked about like. A successful play is 40% of yards to gain on first down, 60% of yards to gain on second down, and the only thing you can count as successful is a first down on third. Mm-hmm. So no matter what your yardage totals are, you know, the, the reverse could be true. You could get The defense could put you into a spot where you're in on third and two, and you only make two and a half yards, but that's a successful, that's a successful play. play. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's the Tennessee Titans, is what that is. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. And so, um, I and and so they 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 go into a lot of other statistical analysis, but like that's kind of like the bedrock thing. Like, um, if if San Francisco can limit the number of explosive plays, you know, that's the whole point of defensive efficiency. The teams that you know, as a Bears fan, I've seen tons of really good defensive teams. Uh, the 85 Bears were a huge aberration because they just, they hold the single season record for sacks. I think it's like 74 sacks in a season, which is, it's just never, that's going to be hard to ever top. That That's not typically what makes a good defense, is just always getting to the quarterback. What it is, is slowing down your opponent enough until they make a mistake. Right. So, um, and I feel like San Francisco can do that. Of all the teams that San Fr- that the Chiefs have played, I think San Francisco has the best chance of doing that because of who's in their secondary. Yeah, yeah. you know we place a yeah we place a premium on pass rushing, but um, secondary uh, play has it's just as much yeah. of an impact. On on the actual pass rush itself too, you know, um, you know they talk about coverage sacks all the time. That's not exactly um, how it is, but that's basically it. You know, if you can uh, tie up defenders one on one with good secondary play, mm-hmm. which the Chiefs have, you know, I think if there's one spot where both teams are really vulnerable, is that it's defending the tight end. Yes. I think um, Kelsey and Kittle could really go off, yep. <clears throat> and that and that might be the difference in the game, which tight end um, oh, yeah, 100%. has the better game. Yeah, and those those things go hand in hand. the The good secondary coverage assists the the pass rush, and the pass mm-hmm. rush assists mm-hmm. secondary coverage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, Tony Dungy and and Lovey Smith um, kind of. Uh, had the same philosophy as like we don't necessarily care if you always hit home to the quarterback and you know some quarterbacks are just not they're just unflappable you know that's what makes like Jimmy Garoppolo and like like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers that's part of what makes yeah and Patrick Mahomes it's it's Brady it's uh, it's Rodgers and Garoppolo those are the three those are the three unflappable quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, think about Garoppolo. Well, so the other point is, you know, getting slowing them down just to make, you know, get them to make a mistake, just enough to get them to make a mistake. That's all about getting them, getting them to third down. If you can get them mm-hmm. third and three or third and four, like if you mm-hmm. that, even if they convert, if you do that another time or two more times on the same drive, they're mm-hmm. gonna. gonna have a yeah. really hard time getting those, those three yards, and that's when they make a mistake. Mm-hmm. They, they sit in the pocket too long. They're trying to wait for something to open up. They don't want to throw the ball yeah. away. You know, they're they're running. You know, they they're advertising the run. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. But Garoppolo, speaking of that mm-hmm. man, sits in the pocket so daggum long and holds <laughs> that ball like he mm-hmm. he he looks like a statue at times. I'm like, move your feet, like get out of it. And I think it's, he, he was moving around so much last year and ended up getting that ACL when he wouldn't go out of bounds mm-hmm. um, that I think he's, like, just focused on, like, hanging in the pocket. And he'll, he'll yeah. be in there forever. 
And, yeah. You know, he'll take two or three steps. He'll step up a little bit, but he does not move. And then he and that's that's a skill, you know. Yeah. Dan Marino made yeah. a career out of that. Tom Brady has made a career out of that. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning made a career out of that. Yeah. You know, those guys that can adjust the the felt pressure by a step to the left or a mm-hmm. step up front towards the line, you yeah. know, that can do that. Yeah. And so, you know, when they talk about like the era of the athletic quarterbacks, you know, like I was never, you know, you've got the double-edged sword of like they're more prone to injury because they're more likely to go on the run. You know, Cam Newton, I think, is a great uh, example of that. But you also lose that nuance of you, sure, you can run. You Sure, you can run to avoid pressure, but have you developed the skill of just adjusting your your launch point enough so that the pressure never gets to you. And I think we have moved beyond the era of the athletic quarterback to the true dual threats. You know, mm-hmm. I think, um, yep. you know, Mahomes and Watson and potentially Jackson. Jackson made a huge step this year. I didn't think he was ever going to be able to do in the passing game what he did this past year. Yeah. And that's uh, scary to think about. The Ravens are a perfect example, but now you know, offenses are designing their offense for a mm-hmm. threat. Where you mm-hmm. see, like Mike Vick, like he was running because he wanted mm-hmm. to run. Like they weren't designing, right. you know, I mean they were designing mm-hmm. runs for him, but they weren't designing the offense around a dual threat. Right. Like, Steve Young, they weren't designing offenses around Steve Young or yeah, being dual threats. But mm-hmm. now they say this is going to be a dual threat offense. You have to account mm-hmm. for for a, yeah. a second running back or a third running back. And that's if you listen to that podcast that I sent you, they they made a good point. Hey, I'll listen to it. About yeah. talking about it's about uh, Kittle, about how Kittle um, really changes uh, looks for a defense because um, you know just be he tends to get involved in the running game. Uh, and in the slot game a little bit differently than Kelsey does. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's hard to tell on offense, you know, what type of formation are they in? Are they in 11 personnel? Are they in 12? Are they in 21? Mm-hmm. You know, they, uh, and if you don't know what those things mean, 11 personnel means one running back, one tight end. So the first number in that, when they talk about 11 personnel, it's one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. And then 21 personnel would be two running backs, one tight end. 12 would be one one running back, two tight ends. So the way that uh, Kittle is a little bit different than Kelsey, Kelsey is a little bit more of a, a standard tight end, is that, you know, Kittle makes it difficult for the defense to kind of decipher what personnel grouping they're in. Because uh, he's a true blocker. He's not only a true blocker, but he actually um, gets involved in the running game in other ways. You know, um, you know, <clears throat> and he lines up in the slot more than Kelsey does. So he could be actually a receiver, um, as far as the scheme goes. Even though his, you know, he might be lined up as tight end. So. Right. Um, right, and that so they'll they'll run the same sets. They'll run the same play mm-hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's a it's a run pass option, I guess. But kills in mm-hmm. the same spot. And one mm-hmm. play he's, he's going to he's going to block on the run on that play. They'll run that same play again, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. receiver, but it looks exactly the same. And, yeah. And it's because it's because they have to respect him as a blocker. I was I was watching a mm-hmm. highlight reel um, of of his blocking this season, and it's it's unbelievable. He's as good as any any guard mm-hmm. out there. As far as, mm-hmm. as far as getting yeah. people keeping his hands on their chest and, mm-hmm. and driving, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So do you? Uh, Matthews look like an idiot. <laughs> well, that's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was just my. Uh, hey, he's with Jared. Hey, he's with the Rams now. <laughs> I know. He, he left you, Jared. He left you. Um. Yeah. So, do you? Uh, so what's your? I, you, I think you said you're, the Niners are going to win by ten. Was that your prediction? Thirty-seven, twenty-seven, something like uh, that. Thirty-four, twenty-seven. Thirty-four, twenty-seven. Sorry, thirty-four, twenty-eight. Yeah. Um, I don't. I've, I've been in a, a lot of conversations this week about it. So. Um, yeah. I don't remember what I what I settled on. Um, yeah. I. I just want to take the under just to be contrarian. I don't know that it'll actually happen. Yeah. But it seems like. If anything, oh, I did thirty-five twenty-four in the group test. Okay, wow. Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking thirty-four twenty-eight. Okay. Uh, most of those points okay. being scored in the second half. Yeah. Um, Garoppolo going for over two hundred and thirty yards passing. The problem with that prediction is, I don't think Shanahan is going to. He's not going to put the ball in, in Garoppolo's hands. If if they're up in the second half, yeah. Yeah, he's just gonna burn clock, burn clock, burn clock. That's yeah. the only way to beat Kansas City, I think. Yeah. He'll, do it, he'll do it to keep him honest, and he'll do it if he has to. But I think if they can do what they've been doing a lot, all the time, he'd be happy. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh yeah, but if you can score first and burn clock, because that was, you know, that game against the Texans. You look back at it; that was really just all in the first half. It was just all special teams miscues on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas City had sh- such short fields to score on, and the Texans as well. That like it wasn't really indicative of what really happened in that game. Yeah, because in the second half, you know, the Texans showed that they weren't able to like control the game. Right. You know, right. and I think that uh, San Francisco is going to have that ability. So, you have any prop bets that you're partial to? Anything? I think taking the over on second half points is a good one. Yeah. And what about uh, purple, the uh, purple length Gatorade. of the purple Gatorade? Is the what right. about the length of the national anthem? You Let's like the over the under? Uh, Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato. Let's see. She really held out those notes in her big song <laughs> at the Grammys. <laughs> They they talk about that she's when gonna, in the she's gonna relish in it because she's coming back from like a two year hiatus. Yeah, that's good. What's the average? What's the what's the? Oh, her the I think the time is like two minutes three seconds is what her over under is. But what yeah. is if, if you do? I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you know how long it is? I don't. I don't know how long the typical uh, national anthem lasts, but yeah. So, let me change locales here. Uh, 
so uh yeah uh but they someone someone looked at the last time she sang the national anthem i think it was at i think it was at a basketball game and it was like two minutes 11 seconds or something like that yeah yeah but uh <laughs> oh then i'm taking the over i'm taking the over yeah then. so the the funny story about the the national anthem over under was the year that Lady Gaga sang it, and somebody put a whole bunch of money on it because they had inside information that she had like uh, laryngitis or something like that, and so they bet the under, and she went under by like forty seconds. Oh <laughs> they like, uh, yeah. So somebody made a lot of money that year. I can't remember. Well. Who it was. Um, I'm gonna get some feedback here real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have your finger off your microphone? I do. Okay. Uh, um, so Lamar Jackson was uh, plus five thousand on being the MVP this year. Uh, there were a couple of uh, guys, a podcast a buddy of mine was listening to. He listens to all the time for daily, and um, they they both bought big tickets on him to be MVP back in like July, and uh, they got five thousand to one on that. Goodness uh, gracious! Yeah, let me go to uh, yeah, audio only got, for just a second here. They must have gone gotten tens of thousands of dollars on, on whatever they bet. I mean, because you could bet you could bet a hundred bucks on that and be five digits. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the? Was oh, purple Gatorade! Everybody's hot oh, on purple Gatorade because purple Gatorade a tribute to Kobe Bryant. So, oh, there you go. Um, yeah, so like that's another over under that's probably not. Uh huh. Yeah. The uh, uh, here's my own personal over under. How many times does Katie Sowers get mentioned? <laughs> I have two and a half. Can't be, can't be enough. Can't be enough. <laughs> that and Kobe Bryant, like. What's oh, the over yeah, who gets mentioned by Kobe or Katie Sauer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good bet. That's a really good bet. Uh, it's going to be Kobe, but... And Fox is not... As, if it was on ESPN or, or ABC, if it was on ABC, yeah. it would be... If it was on NBC, oh, for sure, yeah. Sowers, but Fox is not as... Uh, yeah. As, uh, woke as these other... Uh, I'm trying to think. What's the what's another prop bet I thought about, like uh, making up? Uh, oh, I, it wasn't a prop bet. It was the I was thinking about the MVP. You know, I, I put it on the group text: Garoppolo and Mahomes versus the field. Uh, who do you think? Who, do you, who would you pick in that scenario? MVP. Yeah, MVP. You can either have Mahomes and Garoppolo together. Or you can have the rest of the field. Oh, Anybody else? Garoppolo, hands down. Yeah. Just because it's a quarterback, that's what makes it easy. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, if the Niners win, I mean, it's going to be hard saying it's not going to be most hurt with somebody, you know. Um, but again, I'm, I might be just drinking the Kool Aid on that because Garoppolo. I mean, Garoppolo's through four thousand yards this season. He's not. I he's, think it's he's pr- not yeah. Tannehill, so. Yeah, I think it's if Kansas City wins, I mean it's like inevitable. It's gonna it's gonna be Patrick. It's gonna Mahomes. Be Mahomes. Yeah, nobody else on that. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but if the Forty ers win, it could be a couple people. Yeah. It could be. I mean, it could be Kittle. 
I mean, last year was was Edelman or uh, not Edelman? Yeah. Was Julian Edelman the MVP last year? Yeah. Because remember, it was like that super crappy game. Yeah. That yeah. was. That's the, right. That's right. And he had like fifteen <laughs> passes or something or twelve. Yeah. That was the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. What? Uh, well, before we get into this, so we're going to okay. we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about John Wick series. Okay. Right? Okay. But first, yeah. We're going to have a halftime show, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I present to you the panel episode starring oh. Harris and Thomas Sneed. Enjoy. Okay. My man. Is, is it working well on your side? Yeah, it looks good so far. Okay, good. So your hair looks about as good as mine. Mm-hmm. Got them luscious locks. I know. Your hair's getting kind of long, though, haircut. dude. When's the last time you got a haircut? I know. It's before the trip. And you, so I don't I think you've shaved your beard since before the trip. What's going on here? <laughs> I've shaved a couple times. <laughs> but, yeah, I can't grow as nice of a beard as you. You look like uh, Kevin Bacon doing a, a documentary about hunting in the wilderness. I was... Yesterday in in office, I had one of the ladies ask me if I was Kevin Bacon. <laughs> so, oh well. Long lost twin brother, man. I told her that everyone here always crapped me about being the love child of Kevin Bacon and Tom Brady. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. Oh man, what do you guys got going on? It's been busy since we got back. You know, just getting yeah. back in a swing of things, trying to, I mean, it went from being 50 some degrees here to 30. Yeah. Just in that week, yeah, just in that week we were gone. Yeah. And so I missed every one of the leaves. They were down. Oh, I had to man. get up on the roof in a 30 degree wet rain to try to blow all the leaves off the roof. And trying to just catch up on stuff. Jeez. So, yeah. And it's the yeah. same, same here. Mm-hmm. Things were like uh, somewhat under control when I left, and coming back, I feel like it's just been constantly busy. It's cold here yeah. too, man. It just stinks. It went from you know before the time changed, it not getting dark until it felt like six, and now it's dark by five. Yeah. It's, like a, yeah. Get yeah. home from work and it's dark out. Go to go to work in the dark. Come home in the dark. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, I, th- I think next time we're gonna have to plan a different time of year to 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 do a trip like that. I feel like it's so busy this time of year. I don't know. I think it's as busy every time. Yeah, gets a bit crazier, but I still think Turkey will be a good next one. Ooh, yes. In what twenty 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 
strong independent women we did they're good <laughs> so they can do strong independent things what are you drinking oh i brewed a triple bock oh man you told me about this i saw the beginnings of this yes it's come to fruition so i was hoping for 10 yeah uh-oh I'm losing you a little bit. How's your uh, How's your Wi-Fi signal? I'm losing you a little bit. My wife, the Wi-Fi signal in the house is great, but I'm in the basement at the moment. Okay. So if I need to move, I can move. I'm um, I'm gonna switch to a different one real quick. Hold on. Okay, I I was on our guest network instead of our main network, so that should be better on my side. Yeah, you're all frozen, dude. I can't. Can you hear me? It's still so bad. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me move closer. All right. Well, since you're drinking, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna be drinking too. Yeah. I always enjoy a good brew. Oh yeah. I'm doing uh bullet Kentucky bourbon straight whiskey or Kentucky Kentucky straight bur Kentucky. It's the bullet, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the Kentucky the straight bourbon. I think that's the bourbon of choice of. Um... Uh, you sound good now. Okay. You think uh, Bullet's the bourbon of choice from who? For Sylvester Stallone. Oh, man, man, old Vesty. Yeah. Uh. Him and all of his muscles, even in his old age. <laughs> it's weird. It's kind of like a twist-off cork. Yeah. Oh. oh, beautiful sound. I hope we got that sound on tape here. <laughs> Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Oh, I can't wait for you to come back up. I got some new stuff, too, to, to try out bourbon-wise. Oh, really? All right. So I got a new Jefferson's. Mm. And then Crown, they they have a uh, specialty thing. I might have had it when you were here last. I just don't know if I opened it up. Okay. 
but they they did something with aging it in some sort of coffee type thing and they had a special opening of it in troy mm-hmm. so they had pictures and stuff to put on their website and then i told them hey i got this nice jeep out out front so they went outside and i'm holding them their number one bottle of it with a picture of me in a jeep mm. oh legit. Even, even though it's canadian whiskey it's still <laughs> very american in that picture you should uh you should post, send that to uh jeep's uh instagram they'll probably repost yeah. it I need to see if I can find it, find it again. There's an Instagram account called Earth Fever that does mm-hmm. all travel photos. So I submitted some of our, our best Morocco photos to them. See if they, they're supposed to let me know if they're going to post them. Wow. Yeah. I still need to get a hold of all your pictures and then give you mine. Yeah, they should be... Those links should you should just be able to download everything from those links. Yeah, you sent me two links, but the one only had seven or eight photos and the yep. other one had 200 <laughs> so <laughs> so the way it was is is all the photos were separated by day on my phone so i just yeah. sent the day so i sent like saturday sunday monday so you should have gotten five emails you, you didn't get you only got two? got two uh well when i get up there i'll see which ones those were and i can get you the rest there was one day i think i took 308 photos um so <laughs> i was, think 300 total uh, yeah, at like twenty total. Yeah, yeah, but I was just whipping out my camera, like my phone. Like you had to pull out the whole like setup and everything. So, yeah. um, it was good. So I haven't. Uh, when we first were in Morocco, I was kind of thinking of like a theme or questions of like how we could talk through this. Yeah, but I've kind of forgotten about all that, and I, I don't really have a a guided <laughs> pathway for us to go through. Um. I guess we could, uh, let's talk about this. What, what was your motivation? Because I am not as experienced a world traveler as you are. Um, you've been all over the place and these were a couple, Morocco and Turkey were a couple places that you wanted to go. What was your motivation behind wanting to go to those places? I, I like Africa. Africa is quite a bit of a, just an adventurous type place. Mm-hmm. I've not ever been to North Africa. So I've been through the central and Eastern. So getting up North Africa around the Sahara desert, that's kind of the, the starting point of it all. And then isolating it down to what's more safe, Algeria, Mali, things of that nature, which I really rather go to, which is not safe for an American. Yeah. And so it's always been on, on my list of places I wanted to go. And then after we got the okay from our wives that we can go anywhere, mm-hmm. I put some caveats. Like we weren't allowed to go anywhere that my wife would want to go. Right. Correct. And, yeah. And so this being a place that I had on my list, that I knew she wouldn't want to go to partially for just fear of what could happen. And then just, it's just not on her top. It's not on her top anything. Right. And so it just kind of, like I said, those nice cross, you know, crosshairs just went together right there. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now having been there, like, I feel like it should be on the top for everyone's list. Yeah. Like I was, I, I just fell in love with that country. That's why I kept telling Kelsey when I got back, I said, you know, I really did not think it would be so open and friendly to outsiders, especially Americans. Mm-hmm. 
and just have so much to do and see and just, I mean, the infrastructure was nice. The people were nice. I mean, yeah, they tried to pedal money off the every moment they could, but right. overall it's nice. Yeah. Um, and I felt safe and secure. Mm-hmm. I mean, minus, minus the thought we to fall off the side of a cliff while we're driving. <laughs> oh man, gosh, our driver, what an insane guy. Um, Have you back from him yet? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm building a website for his company. <laughs> oh. So I'm going to get most of my trip paid for. Sorry, bud. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you make too much, you can, you know, shift a little over my way. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That's fair. No, I try. I mean, I like they, the exchange rate is so bad. I, uh, I didn't charge them very much. So yeah. I like doing it for like 20, less than 20% of what I'd normally do a website <laughs> for. Philanthropy. Yes. Yes. So maybe he'll give us a free tour if we ever go again. Um, so let's so kind of the overview of the trip was we uh we flew into Casablanca and uh then we went <coughs> inland a little bit to see a more authentic I would call it a more authentic Moroccan city less less westernized city um then we went into the mountain region and then we went into the desert region and then we came back um which is pretty incredible it's the the terrain of Morocco is um, the Atlantic coast and then some of the Mediterranean sea. So you have all these coastal villages, you have all these beautiful sea cliffs and what you think of like beaches. And then just a little ways inland, you get to these incredibly high mountain peaks, which are the second highest mountain peaks in Africa. Yep. Um, only, only second to Kilimanjaro, uh, which you've hiked before, right? Did you summit? Kilimanjaro? Yeah, back in 2005. What's the, what's the uh, elevation in at Kilimanjaro? It's 19,340 feet. Jeez. Um, and then Atlas Summit is right around 14,000 feet. Yeah. A little over 14,000. Um, and then you go straight down from there into just the desert wasteland of what you would think uh, Sahara Africa would look like. Um, miles and miles of flat flat desert and sand dunes and all that sort of thing. Um, uh, so the first place we stopped was Marrakech. Tell me a little bit of what you thought about Marrakech. I, there's a lot of international people there. I mean, they have the old town, mm-hmm. which was, I think, influenced by the French. And so you just have all the old buildings real close together. I love the marketplace we went to. And that was... I mean, this is lively. All the expats all around, and you had all the locals sitting there trying to sell you everything they could. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I just, I just love walking around it. Just the videos we took, and just watching so many music, so much music, and snakes and birds, and yeah, every little knickknack and trinket you could think of. It was crazy. They would have these uh, cobras. And vipers and all these crazy snakes just slithering around in the street. They were controlled. They were the part of the show that they were doing, but they were just letting them slither up to people and then they would grab them by the tail and pull them back. And then they'd bring a couple of non poisonous snakes and like put them around your neck and want money from you for putting the snake around your neck and stuff. Oh, well, that's um, what we got. Kind of almost 
I can't say swindled, but you had that kid that he had a peacock and a few birds. And he walked up to us, and you know, we were thinking he's just nice, you know, going to ask for a couple coins afterwards, but yeah, threw him up on top of you first. Yeah. Well, you had five or six pigeons sitting on you with a peacock in your arm. Yeah. And then he throws them up on top of me, and you know, we're thinking great photo opportunity. And then so we give them back to the kid, and next thing you know, he's like, okay, ask for money, which I, I assumed was going to happen. So we each gave him. Hey, what was it? A few, a few euro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we did Twenty a or thirty Durham. Yeah, yeah. And the kid's like, "No, no, no, not enough. You need more. Need more." You know, it's. <laughs> it's like this is nothing. This is nothing. Give, give me more of that. He's <laughs> wanting fifteen, twenty euro word. Oh gosh, so, those stupid bird pictures. Yep. Is that we took on our own phones? Yeah. <laughs> and so by the time we got to the snake guys. Like, we just didn't even want to look at the snakes because we're thinking they're going to, if we don't pay them enough, they're going to send one of their cobras over after us. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of unfortunate because I would love to have, like, handled those snakes. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to pay a million dollars to touch the snakes, dude. Yeah. And you knew that's what they were after. <laughs> Same thing with yeah. the monkeys and everything else. Um, but Marrakech was cool. It's a really, like, ornate city. Everything is made out of granite or marble, uh, some sort of tile. Um, just beautiful. Uh, their, main, their main exports are marble, granite, and silver, right? And so you just yep. see that stuff everywhere. These old, beautiful buildings. We walked into this massive marketplace. Th- literally thousands of people in that one marketplace spot. Just a massive glob of humanity everybody's selling their wares and panhandling and selling crafts and all kinds of things it was incredible i mean there are probably what do you say 40 50 just winding streets coming off of that that big marketplace mm-hmm. and those little streets split off into 15 20 more uh, yeah you'd get lost in these mazes of markets so they would like you would like go into this tunnel well it wasn't really a tunnel it was like a an alleyway that had so much stuff for sale that it was covering over the top. Like you couldn't see up to the top of the building. So you get in these little mazes and like you're taking a left, you're taking a right. And it's just, you know, all these little shops and markets and you like can't find your way out. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing. I and mean, that's people, people are there every day selling that stuff. Yeah. So what they do for a living. And then you're walking down this tiny, tiny alleyway and a, a car and a motorcycle zip right by you and, uh, no concern for anybody. You know, you just get out of the way or get hit. They honk one time. That means you better get out of the way. You better move or you're getting hit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some, some great video of that. Um, so we just, we flew into Casablanca just enough time to get dinner, get in bed. And we, that next morning we got up and went to Marrakech and spent all day there. The next morning we got up and that's when we went into the Atlas mountains with our guide um, which is incredible. So we got a guide for three days. This is a guy that Eric found, um, a personal, a private guide with a private car for three days. Um, all accommodations, including, um, where we were staying breakfast and dinner and the excursions that we were going on included for both of us. Total was 480 euros, right? Yeah. Total. Um, so like, like 240 bucks a piece for all of our food, lodging, and, and a private guide who spoke seven languages fluently. Um, Hamed Olali is our, <laughs> is our guy's name, Hamed. 
So um, mad. <laughs> seven languages fluent. Like, so everybody in Morocco speaks two languages mainly, Arabic and French, because it used to be a French colony. Then you have the native language, which is the Berber language. Um, so he spoke all three of those. Then he spoke fluent German, fluent Spanish, fluent Italian, and English. So English, yeah. Seven languages. Incredible. Incredible guy. Um, grew well, up... Even for like 20 years, he said. Just yeah. leading groups of people around. Yeah. And, and he actually started... Well, he, when he was growing up, he was a nomad. So he lived in the desert with his family, living in tents and riding around on camels. Uh, he said they would follow the rain, so wherever the rain was going, that's where they would migrate to so they could get the fresh fruits and vegetables, the pomegranates and dates and olives to sell in the marketplace, and they just lived like lived as nomads for years when he was growing up. Really interesting guy. And uh, his website is yourmoroccanholiday.com, <laughs> uh, soon to be relaunched by Tandem Digital in Greenville, South Carolina. Good job, good job. Um, he actually called me tonight. I uh, didn't get a chance to pick up, but um, we've been talking back and forth on WhatsApp. Um, so, about, yeah, about that driving experience. So we get in this car, and like he's, go- he's coming out of Marrakech. Like he's honking at everybody, making everybody get out of the way, which is normal. And then we get into the mountains, and literally turns into one of the, the most terrifying vehicle experiences of my life. <laughs> The road's just large enough for one car to go each direction with maybe three inches on each side. Maybe three inches. And on that one side, it's it's just straight down. I mean, it's just straight down the mountainside. Thousands of feet. Yeah, these are just roads are cut into the edge of the mountain. Some places had a guard. Some places did not have the guardrail. And... I think, I mean, we were on these mountain pass areas for, what, two hours at a time? Yeah. And the whole time, not a single car would pass us because we're the fastest thing out there. Right. And we're whipping around these hairpin turns on the edge of this, I mean, just looking over the edge, straight down. 80 kilometers an hour. Yeah. While he's passing. Like 60 miles an hour? Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no way. I'm thinking of my wife. I'm like, there's no way she would do that. We'd have to tell him to just slow down. Dude, I'm not, I'm not, nothing scares me. Like, you know, like that kind of stuff. It doesn't bother me. Heights don't bother me. Nothing. Yep. I was clinching so bad on that. Because <laughs> we're, afterwards. oh man, he would pass six or seven cars at a time on a curve where you yep. couldn't see what was coming the other way. And if something was coming the other way, like that's that's it. It's it's a thousand foot fall to the river. Yeah, and I just think it even they were doing so much road work on there, where they actually had a, a huge backhoe up on top of the mountain, and it's just at times they'd shut down the road, and the backhoe's knocking down parts of this mountain down onto the road, and then they'd take a bulldozer and scrape it right off onto the over top of the cliff. Yeah, middle of the day. Yeah. And then our driver, being the driver, he is not waiting in line, so he'll be towards the back. And next thing you know, he just takes off, passing everyone waiting for this the, the road to open up. And the one time, I mean, he passed <laughs> 80 cars, goes straight up to the front. Right as they're getting ready to open it back up, the, the construction worker goes over and is getting ready to, I think, yell at him. He points to me in the front seat 
And the construction worker just kind of nods his head and lets us go. So I think he's just like, hey, I got Americans. Let us go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like this total like uh, American diplomat move. It was like... We passed like 80 cars waiting to get out, out of this construction. He goes in the opposite lane of traffic, passes them all, gets up there. The construction, construction guy's like, no. And he just points at Eric. He's like, uh-uh, look what I got. Look what I got. And the guy just like lets us through. And we passed everybody on the mountain. It's pretty funny. Nice, nice power move. It was. I've never, I loved I've, it. I've never felt uh, white privilege so vividly in all my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> um. But that was cool. So we stayed in this little hotel in like this this valley um, or this canyon, really, in the Atlas Mountains. Probably like what ten thousand feet, maybe. I think it's what we said. Um, and there's this, that it's gorge. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, that's where what they filmed that Chrysler commercial. Yeah. So anyone wants to get like a little piece of it, just type in Chrysler Dade's Gorge. It'll bring up. They had did a commercial there. Like 2016, yeah, where they just tried to max out this car going around these turns, and it's just a beautiful spot. It's, in, it's incredible. I took so many pictures there, and uh, I think it was it was Cadillac actually. It was a Cadillac? Okay, yeah, sorry, it was yeah. the Cadillac uh, MTS or something like that. Um, but I'll I'll put a link to that video in the in the show notes. It's pretty cool. That's right where our hotel was, and went up on that up on that mountain. Um. And then what was next? We, the um, next day was we got up and then we traveled towards the desert. Yeah. Um, to the, uh, well, there were salt mines. So we drive through the desert. It looked like you were, there was snow all through the desert, but it was just literally inches of salt uh, that had built up in the desert, just wide as could be. Um, salt mines, granite mines, and uh, silver mines. Mm-hmm. And uh, we stopped at this little... Um, it's a little construction um, company that mines uh, granite. And every time they mine a layer of granite, they find all these perfectly preserved fossils inside the granite. Um, the, what are they called? Tri- tri- the, the trilobites. Trilobites. And yeah, and then a the little knot of snails. Snails, nautils. and there was one other thing. There was like a, uh, it was that uh, long octopus things yeah it was like a squid or something yeah um it's pretty incredible so we picked up uh, a few of the squid or a few of the fossils there for the girls um, and then into the our romantic getaway in the desert <laughs> uh, that was the nicest tent i've ever stayed in so when uh eric was pitching this part of the trip to me he's, he said we're gonna go out into the desert we're gonna rough it and to stay out, I guess, under the stars or whatever, we get there, and it's like this group of tents. We walk in. It's like the uh, most beautiful glamping experience. Look up glamping, G-L-A-M-P-I-N-G, glamping. It was like the most romantic, like, desert getaway ever. They had candles in our room and little uh, little candies and stuff on, on the pillows and this, these beautiful satin sheets and all these rugs. Well, it's like a, being on a cruise ship. They're, they made little animals out of the towels and put them on the oh, bed. That's right. We had little <laughs> swans on the bed. <laughs> we had hot water, a heater in the thing. Uh, I mean, it shower. It was, it was crazy. It was like, I uh, finally found out uh, your true intentions, my friend. 
take you out to the desert and wine and dine you. <laughs> oh, man. That was great. Um, not that part. Uh, the desert was great. Um, the, uh, the camels were cool. I mean, I've, 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 had you ever been on camels before? No, never. I, I was kind of, I can't say disappointed. I've never had an issue with an animal not liking me. Yeah. And the camels are just grunty, smelly, just boogers. I, they just, I didn't know if this camel wanted to bite my face off or give me a kiss. <laughs> and I, and the, the camel guy basically yelled at me when I tried to go over and pet it. And I said, well, it must mean it wants to bite my face off. So I, yeah. I, I, I didn't trust it. Yeah. Well, the thing kept trying to goose you in the butt. My, my camel was perfect. Yeah. Was happy. Happy guy. <laughs> you said everyone was trying to get up. It couldn't get off the ground. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? That thing was yelling, screaming. No, no video proof whatsoever. You'll bet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so they took us like they took us way out in the desert, way out in the dunes. So as far as you could see, northwest, south, east, it's just dune, sand dune after sand dune after sand dune, and we're out there on these camels. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, then the the camel guy tried to sell us all his wares <laughs> while we were out there. Got us, got us lost in the desert, and then tried to sell us stuff to get back. I just, I, I love the the sun setting out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got we got the whole iconic photos that all tourists are supposed to get, you know, holding the sun as it's setting over the top of the mountainside. Yeah, stuff. But and that's definitely where I also learned that camel poop looks very much like rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so. Like a lot of kids, Eric's kids collect rocks. Mine do too. So we were picking up different, like unique rocks from different parts of the country, like the mountain rocks and the desert rocks and the river rocks and the ocean rocks uh, to bring back to the kids. And we were out in the desert and like, Eric's like, I'm going to get some desert rocks. Look at all these desert rocks. (laughs) (laughs) There's like four or five in this spot. Like the first time I'd seen them. (laughs) And I pick it up and I'm like, it's abnormally light light yeah and at that point i'm like oh no this is crap <laughs> literal crap <laughs> yep little crap uh, desert rocks aka camel poop yep it was good um uh, and the oh man the food so the local fair is called or the way they cook is called tagine process of cooking and it's like this uh ceramic plate with a with a lid on it that they cook over an open flame, and they just throw whatever they want in it. Chicken, uh, beef, uh, goat meat, rice, couscous, vegetables, whatever you can think of, throw it in there, and they cook it over the open flame, and then they, they hand it to you, or they put it on the table, and uh, you just eat straight out of that ceramic pot that they cooked it in. And they don't give you uh, spoons or forks or anything. They just give you bread, and you eat it with little pieces of bread out of the bowl. And everywhere we went, like we ate, we ate tajin every day, and uh, just the the food and the amount of food was in, was incredible. And uh, I just remember being on the airplane. You know, you're asking some of the locals, "What do we? What should we eat when we get there?" And they're like, "The tajin," and we're both talking. We're like, "Man, I hope we find this tajin somewhere." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, that first night we we got into our our little hostel there and in Casablanca and we're like okay we need to eat we've not had dinner it's getting late 
and you know we're going out in these little these little alleyways trying to find somewhere to eat and you found this one place you're like let's just go in here we sit down and the moment we sit down this kid just brings over two two plates of this stuff with a couple pieces of bread like instantly as we sat down food was there yeah it's just no time i mean things boiling right there in front of us we're like we have no idea what in the world this stuff is. It's just some meat with cheese and stuff on top of it. And honestly, it was one of the best things I've ever had. Mm. Oh, it was so good. We were coming off like 30 hours of travel and dead tired. Didn't know where we were. First meal we'd had in the country. And uh, it was like, per- it was perfect. It was yeah. So good. This little, this little hole in the wall in this back alley in Casablanca was perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, needless to say, they have that. That's that's. I think their national dish. It's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And we were, and then we were, we were checking out, and I was like, "How much?" And he's like, "He's like seventy dirham, uh, for both of you." And I was like, "Oh, that's a, what we just got swindled. That's a ton of money." And then I realized <laughs> it was seven dollars <laughs> for two for two of us for our dinner. It's like three three dollars and fifty cents a piece, and that included our our uh, Coca Cola that we got, which was probably the most expensive thing we had. Um. So really, yeah, really cheap. I mean, you could do this whole trip for, um, I mean, just so cheap. It was incredible. Once you get in country, it was amazing. And as long as you don't buy rugs and things of that nature, you can oh, gosh. stay in. It's not that bad. Oh. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had to tell Kelsey about that. Did you tell her? No, I didn't let price- the cat out of the bag with my Instagram post, did I? No, no, no. The price, though, on it, I told her, may not have been the actual price I paid, but <laughs> that's, that's another point we don't need to get into. <laughs> hey, the price or the negotiated price, they're both accurate. Yep. Oh, my gosh. That was crazy. So we get, they were going through the desert at some point. I don't remember when this was. Was this uh, on the way into the desert or on the way out? No, the way back. The way back from the desert. Yeah. They take us to this little little village out in the middle of nowhere i mean it's all just brick and clay huts basically and so we go to this one like nondescript clay building um and uh, this guy comes out in his full full desert garb and uh invites us in to see the the rugs and as soon as you walk inside like it opens up into like this this rug palace and yeah. like i mean just all this room yeah. Just amazing how much. Just these massive rooms draped with all these handmade rugs and uh, like all this professional lighting like on the rugs and stuff. Um, just absolutely beautiful. And what it is is it's it's a co-op with the government. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like their version of welfare. So some of those cities are so old and poor and um, traditional that if a woman uh, uh, is widowed or divorced, she doesn't really have any means of income. Like she can't, it's, they don't know, they aren't taught to drive. They're very traditional in their religion and that kind of stuff. They can't just go into the marketplace and get a job. So if whatever they can make at home or whatever they can um, scavenger up is how they make their living after that happens. There's no, there's no system to take care of them. Um, so what they do is they hand weave these amazing, beautiful, um, complex rugs, um, all different sizes and um, take them to these uh, places to be sold. And per the government, they're, they're not taxed. There's no taxes on that. Um, and whoever is selling the rug can only take a 10% commission. 90% of the women, money has to go back to the women. 
Um, so it's, it's actually kind of a cool system. Um, it's kind of like it's their version of the government's version of welfare is not taxing and then setting a limit on how much people can take from from the women, right? So they get they get ninety percent of all the funds. Um, so we're sitting there and he's giving this. So when we walk in, he's like, he's like, I just want you to know, we just want to show you the beautiful rugs. There's <laughs> <laughs> there's not going to be any sales pitch. We're not pushy. Like low pressure. Low pressure. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. He's in his full, full, full accent, right? Low, low <laughs> pressure. No, 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 no salesy man here. Low pressure. No pressure. And um, and we're like, oh, cool. We're gonna see these rugs. So they take us through this this massive hall and all these mazes of rugs, and we get at the end, and he just he just keeps talking about these rugs, and we're like, all right, we've heard this a million times. Oh, and they sit us down and they make us they make tea for us, which that was everywhere too. Everywhere we went, they you have tea. Um, and it's delicious. It's like green tea with mint and honey yeah. and, and sugar. Oh, so good. Oh yeah. And then they're just bringing out these, these rugs and this, you know, the representation of each of these different types of tribes and stuff throughout the country. Yeah. So each rug style is so unique, how much gold they had into it or how much indigo or just the different, um, color patterns and things. So you could tell based on what the rug looked like, kind of what, you know, village it came from and what right. tribe. Yeah, what tribe they were. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, so the guy starts bringing out all these rugs. <laughs> and I'd already said to myself, there's no way. I'm not going to even ask the price because when you ask the price, it opens it up. You know, you got negotiation at that stage. And so I, I, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get one. <laughs> the overpriced. I don't even want to ask. And so I basically just concluded in my head, I'm done shake his hand say thank you for the nice nice tour and i'm okay thomas on the other hand <laughs> right yeah. at the end right at the end yeah. the very uh, end we were just ready to be done and he's like which rug did you like i said Man, that, that one over there would be most our style but i'm like there's no way i'm even going to ask about it so what's thomas do ask the guys like my friend here would like to see this rug how much <laughs> I said, I said, what's the, what would the price be? I was so curious because he would not tell us a price. No, no. And so, but at that time, the guy knows he has us. He has at least one of us. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. That, I, I get Thomas the biggest side eye I could. I got serious stank eye. Because we're, uh, we're, we're both, well, we're both trying to get out of there. Um, but like, I just, I was like, I, I don't even know what these cost. Like I would, you know, I have no clue. I'd have no frame of reference whatsoever. No. And like, I once I, <laughs> and once I asked that question, man, he was like, all right, here comes the sales pitch. Yeah. And so he, you know, Thomas asked about the one rug. Next thing you know, they bring out five or six of this exact type of rug from the same <laughs> village. And he's looking at me, he's like, give me a price, give me a price. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I do not want this. And he just kept asking over and over, you know, what what could you spend? I'm trying to say, you know, hey, I got a third baby on the way. Money's not, you know, tight and all this stuff. And the guy, what was his saying? And at, well, at, at this point, must to be noted, I start helping you out. <laughs> I'm like, look, he's got kids coming. He can't do it. We don't, you're not, you're not being forthright with us on this price. Can't make it happen. We, it's time for us to go. Like, I'm on your side now. Like, I'm helping out. At this stage. And the guy's all like, money comes and money goes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So money comes and money goes. But these rugs are forever. And they help out the ladies. And they're just like, oh my god. Laying it on thick. These women, you know, sometimes go into sex trafficking if they don't have their money. Yeah. And like, oh, uh, money, com money comes and money goes. 
And, you know, it's, I'm like, I, you know, we're at this point in our, our trip where we're like, okay, how much money do we have? How much do we need? And the guy finally is like, we could take credit card. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. Because I'm like, no, you have no cash. can't say no to a credit card. It's, uh, so I, I, I finally just broke down and said, okay, let's go with this one. I negotiated it. Oh, what was no, 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 no. So, all right. So here's my turn to tell the story. <laughs> so, so he's like, he's like, for you? He's he's like he's like eighty nine hundred Durham, eight thousand nine hundred Durham, which is is ten to one, so that's eight hundred and ninety dollars. And we're like, oh my gosh, and 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 so I pipe up. I'm like, he can't do it. We're not. We can't get this rug. It's too much. Not gonna happen. And he's like, money come, money go. The Berber women, the Berber women, and uh, and just will not let us go. And Eric's like. I, uh, you know, I got a third baby on the way. We've got a lot of expenses coming up. Uh, can't, uh, can't do the rug. He's like, you give me a price. You give me a price. He's like, well, okay, let's say I come down. I come down 7,000 Durham. And Eric's like, no, can't do it. And I'm right there with you. I'm like, you can't do it, dude. We're not, we're not buying the rug. You can't do it. And he's like, you give me a price. You name your price. And Eric was like, Three hundred dollars, <laughs> and so so, which is a fantastic negotiation from almost nine hundred dollars down to three hundred. It's incredible, and the guy's like, mm, "You know what, Hamid? He's having baby. He's got expenses on the way. We do it for you. We do three hundred. Shake my hand." And so, like Eric, like reluctantly shakes this guy's hand, just totally destroyed. This is like a thirty-minute process we went through on this last yeah. conversation, and uh, and so I'm like, I'm like, oh, good, we're out of here. I feel bad, but he got a great deal. You know, I tried to help him get out of it. I helped, like I helped every way I could. After you put me into it, yeah. Well, you know, I'm trying to, you know, make up for my sins. You know, it's like and, throwing a guy into a hole and saying, "Here's a shovel <laughs> and a rope and my hand." Okay, um, and 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 a second shovel for me. And so he, uh, so he's, like, and I was like, "Good, we're out of here. We're done." Eric's gonna swipe his credit card. We're gone. And uh, he's like, "Thomas." Follow me. I was like, not happening. Not doing this. I was like, I can't do $300 on a rug. Not happening. He's like, I show you the $100 rug. And he just brings out 10 more rugs instantly, like out of nowhere. Here's all these rugs. Eric's off paying for his. I'm getting the whole spiel. And he's like, 100, 150. I'm like, nope, can't do it. He's like, 100. I said, not doing it. Can't buy a rug. Not doing it. He shows me 10 more. He's like, what color do you like? I was like, I like the color blue. He's like, all right, here's some blue rugs, $100. Nope, not doing it. I was just, I was stone facing this guy, not doing it. Out of nowhere, Eric walks into the room after buying his stupid rug and was like, he likes this one. Thomas wants this one. He's like, good deal, $100. (laughs) Yeah, I come back from paying for this thing, thinking Thomas, yeah, he's probably out the door. He's in his side room. And the guy's showing him all these little baby rugs. And I just, I look at Thomas trying to be all hard. And I'm like, <laughs> Thomas, you know, you should like that rug right there. It'll match. Right oh, my gosh. Door. I'm like, in front of that one door, you're like, what door? I said, that one door. <laughs> Eric's like making up stuff. This is going to go great with this in your house. <laughs> oh, And so it was so funny. Thomas, all of a sudden, his, his hard wall just starts to crumble. 
and he knows he's just done because this guy's late not even thicker. Once it ain't giving him the whole money comes and money goes steal. The Berber women. Uh, I, I, I did not feel bad. So, son of a gun, got me back. Yep. So we get our beautiful rugs. They wrap them up. They're so well made and tight. They're, they're absolutely gorgeous. It probably took like six, I think it took six women multiple weeks to make these rugs. Um, gonna look great in the house. Wives are gonna love them. They wrap them up so tightly that you can bring them on the airplane in a carry-on. They're like they make them so you know, where they can fold up so small. We have our rugs. We hold on to them for what three more days, two more days. No, oh, it wasn't even that long. Oh, oh this was it, was it was like a day and a half, wasn't it? Not even that long. It was seriously. It was that next morning. Oh, it was, wasn't it? It was the next morning, and oh that's why gosh. we forgot them because we'd not been hauling these things around long. That's it right. was a, uh, cause yeah, we, we get back. That oh yeah. Night. Cause we get to Marrakech that night and we're hopping on the train to go to Casablanca the next morning. Yeah. Going back to where we came in from. That's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause so we get, we have to get up real early that next morning to hit the train. It's raining or not real bad. It's just a light rain. Yeah. So we're hoofing it to the, to the train station. I mean, and it's still pitch dark outside and the whole time I'm thinking, holy crap, this this rug, it's it's kind of heavy on my arm. So I'm sitting there holding up one arm, switching from back and forth. We get on the train, and in our car, everyone's kind of got their luggage just thrown around. And so we had to put the our our bags over on one side, but we put our, and this is where our mistake was, we put our rugs on the other side. And so by the time we get back to Marrakech, we're just, we just are like, okay, we got to hit and get up. We got to get off. They don't stop for long. So we'll grab our bags, which is what we've had our whole trip and get off the, get off of it. Yeah. It was like a three hour train ride up there. Yeah. yeah. And so then we're on the next train oh to gosh. go from there to where our, 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 um, hostel was. And I'm sitting in the seat and I'm thinking, man, I'm glad we didn't just walk. Cause you can walk from that train station to where our hostel was. It was within walking distance, but a good 45 minute walk. And I'm thinking to myself, man, that would have been a horrible walk. My arm would have been hurting. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. My arm would have been hurting. Why? And then it just hit me. My rug. And we knew, I knew I left it on that previous train. So, so, Eric, so I'm still oblivious to this. I don't, I don't realize that we have both left our, our rugs from this incredibly emotional sales transaction on the train. And I'm sitting there off in La La Land. And Eric looks over at me and he goes, Thomas? I was like, what's up, man? He's like, um, he had like this, like this, uh, I thought like something terrible had happened all of a sudden. And he's like, he's like, we left our rugs on the last train. They're, they're, they're gone. And I was like, and just instantly, just like this sick, frustrated, angry feeling. Yeah. So all of that, all of that squabbling with the sales guy. For the Berber women. For the Berber women. We we yep. did not return with our our rugs, our well uh, our well uh, negotiated <laughs> rug rugs. That was going to be a Christmas present for my wife. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, Megan would have loved hers too. It would have been perfect. I was actually I was looking at the rug that we got from where wherever IKEA or wherever in our living room, and it looks really similar to one of those rugs. And I was like, wow, we really could have like replaced this with something authentic. Yeah. Um, so I would, you know, I would have felt 
so much worse if I had gotten you into that sales situation and you were the only one that got a rug and then still forgot it. So <laughs> the fact that I lost a rug too made me feel a little bit, a little bit yeah, better. You got to help donate some money to the Berber women. Yeah, they got the money. Hey, if it helps them, which I believe it does, um, that's what that's what matters. And hopefully, yeah. somebody in Fez, the the rugs uh, final train stop was in Fez. So hopefully, somebody in Fez is getting to enjoy those rugs. Yeah. I had my phone number on the outside of it with my name and stuff. I kept hoping someone would give me a call. Back. Yeah, which was great because, like, after we lost him, I was like, "Oh yeah, Eric's got his phone number on there. They could call." I'm an idiot. I was like, "I don't trust these people with my phone number," so I gave them a fake phone number to put on my rug. <laughs> so even if somebody had found it and tried to call me, like it, it went to somebody else. So I have no chance of getting mine back. Mm. Oh. So now, what are you getting, Kelsey, for Christmas? I, I don't know. I'm actually looking. <laughs> I'll probably forget, lose it somewhere. You get a rug from Hamrick's? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm actually looking for like one of those lanterns. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Legit. All right. So, one that I'm doesn't gonna, uh, doesn't uh, produce toxic fumes at, in yeah, the middle of Yeah, it. and it's toxic fumes that are bad for, you know, cancer. And... Jeez. Oh. Mm. That was good. Oh. All in all, amazing trip. So if you ever want to do an overseas trip, I highly recommend Morocco. And then secondly, Morocco is extremely affordable. So you can do the trip very, very cheap, which is what we did. And it was great. Yep. What was the, what's your, what's your uh, probably the rugs. What's, that's your worst memory. What's your best memory from Morocco? <laughs> I, I still enjoyed, like I said, being out in the desert. Yeah. Riding camels and just watching the sunset, just it was beautiful. You had uh, the mountain range that right there is with the border of Algeria. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we're what four miles, five miles from Algerian border. Yep. Seeing that mountain range off to the off in the distance, it was just a beautiful. The the moon came up that night and it was a full moon, so couldn't see the stars, but it was just still as bright as day almost. Yeah. I love that, and I just I, don't know, I mean I love going overseas just seeing new cultures new people kind of seeing what they just a little inside of what they live how mm-hmm. they live just how much different it is here mm-hmm. not that one's better than the other one's worse than the other it's just just different it's it's fun yeah yeah well that's what um some people were asking me when we got back you know what what was my what my takeaway was and i was like really i mean when you get in the, when you get into a culture like we did so we purposefully stayed away from all the touristy stuff like we didn't we didn't go into the modern cities um we didn't you know do anything really gimmicky and we tried to get like into and like feel the culture rick. and what's that rick's cafe except for rick's cafe we did it yeah look up rick's cafe <laughs> it's a big scam um <laughs> it's a remake of the cafe rick's cafe from the movie casablanca and uh um, it's a total like nothing in, of the movie Casablanca was actually filmed in in Casablanca, um, and so they made this fake restaurant that all the tourists go to that they think is Rick's yeah. Cafe. It's really that's funny. the only first thing we really had. To yeah, do. but we knew we were doing that. We did that on purpose just to say we could do it. Um, but the thing, but when you get into that culture, like, and you talk to, we had a we had this guy, a native that we talked to for three days straight, and and just noticed like everybody's the same. Everybody has the same. You know, as far as our culture and their culture, the same, you know, concerns and worries and hopes and dreams. And, you know, um, everybody feels very similar about 
politics in their own country and what's right and what's wrong and it's it's interesting to see how alike you know so many people are um and yeah. uh, and not just because they said I look like I was Moroccan either <laughs> you know, the the Moroccan rapper the Moroccan rapper what was his name Big E or something uh, yeah I think it was Big E so I took an ancestry DNA test Ancestry.com DNA test, whatever, a few months ago. And it says that I'm 1% to 3% African. I had no idea. When we get in there and we're going through some of these small villages, some of the people are asking our guide in Arabic. They're like, who's that guy? Is he, is he Moroccan? He looks Moroccan. And our guy's like, no, he's American. He's not, he's not from here. So apparently I look African um, and Moroccan. And then they said I look like this particular Moroccan rapper named Big E, who I think is dead now. I think I looked him up. He's dead. Um, so there you go. There it is. That was a good trip. So, um, to all you, uh, um, wanderers out there, let's, uh, if you guys want, ever want to go on a trip, Eric and I are up for it. Yeah. yeah. I, honestly, that was a great part of it too. I mean, I always enjoy going off with the wife, just having adventures with her and stuff, but yeah, finally getting off of a good friend. I mean, it just can't beat that. Great guy. I'm your easy going. I mean, it was one of the things I knew I didn't have to worry about. Just kind of get your price mm-hmm. and then what you'd be willing to spend. And after that, I knew you'd be as adventurous as I wanted to be. Oh, yeah. I'm all for it, man. Oh, thanks, man. That means a lot. Um, it was a good time. So now, I, now we owe our wives a trip. So, oh, gosh, yeah. So all the money we saved on this trip is actually going to cost us something. Oh. <laughs> 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 I still think it was funny when Megan asked you at the end of the trip if we were still friends. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I would say better friends. Yeah. It's great, <laughs> dude. No, no drama here. No, no. It was good. Yeah, we're going to open a nice spa day or something. Oh, yeah. Not for us, for them. Yeah, for them, We yeah. already had our romantic uh, Arabian tent, so we <laughs> they can go to the spa. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, I um, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I think about the trip a lot. It was a lot of fun. So thanks for uh, doing the podcast and uh, letting everybody else know about it. Yep. Hopefully they enjoy it. I'm always up for another trip. So for sure, man. Um, oh, and we'll we we're coming up to Ohio again. Um, so we're coming up at, right after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's. So if any of you guys are around, maybe we can see you guys. Broncos are a couple years later. Yeah. Yeah. We in the the late nineties and the two thousands, uh, we were very fortunate to have some really good games. Um I'm gonna say for excitement, I think the Giants beating the Patriots yeah, was probably yeah, yeah, with the helmet catch. That was just craziness. Yeah. Um I remember I was mad about who won, but the game itself was completely enthralling. Was uh, the, the Cardinals and the Steelers when um, um, what's his face <laughs> from the Rams was the quarterback? Uh, uh, oh gosh, 
Why am I blanking on this? I'm well, no. Why am I not remember his name? Uh, Grocery bag boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Arena football league. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna remember it. Arizona no, Cardinals. LA, that was a great Super Bowl. Bowl. That was a great Super. I feel so bad he didn't win that Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. And for Larry Fitzgerald, I mean. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I was upset that the Steelers uh, won that. Oh, that's another thing is all the sentimentality around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Andy Reid. Yeah. Oh, boohoo. Yeah. <laughs> Cry me a river, Andy. <laughs> if you don't win it, you don't win it. That's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, then you don't, um, you don't deserve to win because you lose a lot, Andy Reid. Okay. Yeah. Right. I think. I uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, let's see. What was another really great game? I mean, I have to say uh, the comeback with the Patriots and the Falcons was unbelievable. Yeah. But uh, that was good. But you know, yeah, the the Eagles game was. Really good too. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I would the um, Kurt Warner. Uh, Kurt Warner. I kept wanting to say Kyle, and I was yeah. like, I know that's not right. I can't. Yeah, Kurt. That was a great Super Bowl. Yeah. And then uh, so bottom three. I'll start with that. You can add yours. So the first two are super easy for me. Um, last year. I was like in contention for the worst one, but I think uh, 2000 is probably the worst Super Bowl of all time. The Ravens and the Giants. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, Trent Collins was the Giants quarterback, and Trent Dilfer was was the Ravens quarterback. Yeah, that was just awful. (laughs) It's the worst. I remember being so bored. I mean, I was at a huge party. I was living in Charlotte at the time. I was at a huge party for watching the Super Bowl. I think before halftime, people just were not even paying attention to the game. It was so... Yeah. I like good defense, don't get me wrong. And that was an amazing defensive performance by the Ravens. But Wasn't Ray Lewis <sighs> hot off of his uh, yeah. murder charge? Or witness of a whatever? Or um, was it that... No, no, no. Or was it that following... I think day. it was it was because he went out and partied after they won the Super Bowl, right? Oh, and that's when that happened. And I think that's when it all went down. That's crazy. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think that's right. Anyway, and then uh, probably the next worst Super Bowl, the, uh, the blowout by the Seahawks over the Broncos. Oh, I hated that game. I think we watched that. At Neela's house. Were you there for that one? Uh, yes. Yes, I was. That was a terrible was game. Yeah, it was an awful game. I think those three probably are yeah. bottom three for me. Uh, no, yeah, so Packers, Steelers, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Steelers. I hate yeah. that one because both those teams are hot garbage. And, uh, <laughs> I remember, you know, I was such an anti-Packers guy uh, in my youth because they beat us um, in the NFC Championship game. Oh yeah, uh, Steve Young's last year, our second. That was the year they won, right? Yeah, Brett Favre. Brett Favre, and I was so that, yeah. upset. 
Yeah. And I was young and impressionable. You know, I was in junior high or whatever. And uh, so I hated the Packers for so long. And then, uh, and then I've, I've just always hated the Steelers. I don't know why. I just can't stand their color. The Steelers, the Cowboys, and the Packers. Uh, yeah, the Cowboys are, are America's team. I didn't vote for them. Um, and, uh, and so Every time they win, I've had that. a hard time. I was like, I was like I'm looking at the rule book to see if there's a way both teams can lose. Like, it's just... <laughs> Who cares about this Super Bowl? Uh, yeah. So that one, um, when the Niners lost in 2013, when I was sitting at your house. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Kaepernick threw a perfect fade to Crabtree in the corner on the on the five seconds left on the clock from the ten yard line or the five yard line, and there was a, an obvious pass interference on fourth down, and they didn't call it, and they lost the Super Bowl. You may not remember that detail. <laughs> I do actually, but uh, they lost on a on a. Blitz I remember because of you. <laughs> uh, you are so upset. I remember um, that. And uh, so that's the second worst. And then uh, I don't know. Anytime. Man, that's a third a third worst Super Bowl. That's a tough one. You missed a lot of bad ones in the late '80s. Uh, I could have, I could have named a lot of those yeah. blowouts. Like a lot of the the Broncos losses in LA's early career were bad games. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, Edom, but a lot of those Bills games were bad games. The first one was great. The wide the. Anytime there's a blowout, it's a bad Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, there was, there was a couple, couple years ago, there was a big blowout. A really lot of Is that the Seahawks? Yeah. The Seahawks-Broncos, yeah. That yeah, one's really that bad. That so boring. Uh, Last year's, I think, is probably, over time, going to overtake number one for me. Yeah. It was bad because it was so... It wasn't good defense. It was bad offense. Yeah. Remember, like, uh, no one could score. Was it, was it, wasn't like... Wasn't it 3 nothing at the half? Yeah, it was brutal. It was a business. Yeah, yeah, it was gross. Uh, we got an interruption here with the baby. Sure. They, from so. they went to the store, baby, because you were napping. I'm on the phone. I'm on a okay. podcast with Mr. Brad. Do you remember Mr. Brad? No? Hi. Are you going to cheer for the 49ers today? You got your cheer outfit? Yeah, so go Niners. <laughs> I've been training them well. They yeah. didn't know that Debo Samuel is uh, played for South Carolina and now plays for the Niners. Oh, uh, yeah. They're like, which one's the South Carolina boy? <laughs> um, well, let's talk about um, John McCree. We're at about 45 minutes here. So. Okay. Give me, Actually, give me my John favorite one is two. Yeah. Uh, give, me, give me your uh, full um, inductive hypothesis. Uh, I... Let me, let me just tell you, I avoided John Wick. I I heard all the hype. And I was like, this just does not sound like my kind of movie. I'm, like, not into mindless action movies. Mm-hmm. And I think I expressed to you what I really, really liked about John Wick movies is that they, although they are, like, mostly action especially the third one i mean there's so many action scenes M- way more than half the movie is the the fighting scenes and the the chases and all that but what makes them so compelling to me is because it's not about like 
trying to stop a nuclear warhead from going off or a dirty bomb from a terrorist. It's just about a dude going against, you know, <laughs> the organization yeah. and like uh, fighting on his own. Yeah. Uh, there's there's very low stakes, like globally speaking. Yes, it's all about him. Yes. And about his uh, his journey, and uh, that was what was compelling plot wise about those movies. Mm-hmm. The stakes couldn't be uh, smaller, to be honest. Right. Right. Like they, 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 they killed, killed his dog. dog. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. That's brilliant. They they chose the smallest offense possible <laughs> right. for someone to go on that type of rampage. It's yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. But I had the joy of, you know, I I splurged. Did I tell you why I bought a big TV this year? Uh, to make your life more fulfilled and happy. So, um, I actually got a call um, this past off-season from Chicago Bears ticketing office. I've been on the wait list forever. Really? And, uh, and, uh, I got offered a private seating license, and I was like, oh, man, I've been waiting for this for, like, decades. I cannot believe I got this call. And I was I was ready. I was ready to drop the money on it. And then I just looked at the numbers, and I was like, man, it just it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I'm doing the worst, like, uh, buy high, you know, possible. Yeah. <laughs> Because the, pri- the private seating licenses are market based; right. they don't stay standard. Right. It's the uh, the um, the season ticket prices themselves, the face value, that stays pretty constant. You know, they go up a little bit every year, maybe. Yeah. But the private seating licenses are based on the market and because you know they had that big season in 2018. The the seating licenses were ridiculous. There was like they were thirty five hundred dollars a piece. And then you have to pay face value of like two fifty a game, including two preseason games. And so I was like, I mean, I could have pulled the trigger on it. It's not like I would have put us in the poorhouse doing it, but it would have. It was a significant outlay of cash. Yeah. And so, and and Cassie understood how important it was to me, and she's like, if you feel like we can do it, it's okay with me. So, nice. I thought about it, and I thought about it, because uh, it's a four and a half hour drive. We have family, so we'd be able to stay there for free yeah. and just, you know, pay the price of the tickets and food and souvenirs and stay overnight for free. But, you know, I figured I'll probably sell some of them to recoup some of my cost. Yeah. But I was... I figured it was it was gonna be close to like six thousand dollars total, even after selling a few of the wow. late season tickets. Yeah. I was like, I can't do that. So yeah. the week that Avengers Endgame came out on Blu-ray, I told Cassie I'm buying a new TV since I decided not to do the season tickets. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saved this money. I had to, you know I had to do it you know a bit of. Yeah. Interesting accounting, that's, you know. That's what I'm going to tell Megan. Like, Megan, I put the uh, deposit down for the uh, Tesla Cybertruck. Um, <laughs> and you know what? I just can't justify it, so I should get myself a Ford F-150. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's, I, like, that's I like your strategy. That's good. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, all that to say that I got this really awesome LG 77-inch OLED TV. It yeah. does 4K and HDR. Yeah. And I got to tell you, the John two and three especially, but all three of them really are some of the best looking movies um, yeah. in 4K. It's not just the resolution, it's the color, like the HDR is unbelievable. Yeah. And you can tell that, like we talked about it, it's kind of being like, you know, noir except for in color, and they really did do a lot with color and, and shadow in those movies that just is really amazing to see if you can see it on a on a nice in a nice theater on a good home theater system mm-hmm. it really is uh something to behold mm-hmm. uh-huh. so yeah they were so i'm thankful for the people that recommended those movies and uh got to see them they are beautiful they are yeah beautiful. uh Okay, can I just, you said Cybertruck. Can you give me like, just like two minutes to talk about? Yeah. Okay, so if you've been following what's coming up in April, the news. No. For Tesla. Okay. No. I am, I'm seriously. I follow Tesla closely, but I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, Battery Day. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know, do you know what's, have you like looked into what's going on with that? No. Okay, so I I told you, I went into this YouTube rabbit hole on Elon Musk. Uh, shortly before the, the fourth quarter earnings call that happened this past week. And I think if the stock price settles down a little bit from that earnings call, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to buy some stock. I should have bought stock last year, but mm-hmm. I think... Um, maybe I'm just crazy conspiracy person, but I think, um, I think Elon Musk is going to announce something pretty amazing on battery day. Um, I think that they have developed the world's first dry electrode, um, and they're being so hush hush about it. Um, except for he said, I, I, I'll send you some links after we're done so you can watch the videos of the, the, why I think this is the case. There's one guy that lays out a pretty, pretty compelling case that bets this is what happened. So do you know who the guy, name of the guy is that invented the lithium ion battery? Makasudi. No. <laughs> John... I'm not making this up. John Galt. John B. Good enough. <laughs> That's real. Yeah, John B. Good enough. So he invented the lithium ion battery back in the seventies, early eighties. You know, like in the lab, invented it. Yeah. And it took a long time for uh, that to come to market. Um. And he he developed what I think people are going to be calling the first solid state battery. Mm-hmm. He put out the he put out a paper back in 2016 and with a, a lady from Portugal about 
you know, this battery, it's going to be probably the biggest development in batteries like ever. <laughs> and I think, um, I think people are just focusing on Tesla as this car company and forgetting about, you know, the, how oh, vertically sure. integrated they are with they, their battery. They, that, they are touching every industry with every industry. Right. The car, the car is just, is just a fraction of what that company, what Tesla, right. what Tesla is doing. Not, not, we're not talking right. SpaceX. We're not talking the boring company. None of that. Right. We're talking Tesla is in everything. In and everything because of their battery technology. Right. And it has the potential of being like, here, here's, what they're saying about if it's true um no more risk of fires with batteries because yeah. the reason why batteries catch fires because over time the um the chemical uh there's dendrites that go from the anode that connect to the electrode that basically like it's like an arc inside the battery and it catches fire well that, that can't even happen with this technology because it's not a liquid or a polymer uh, composition inside the battery is completely dry. Mm -hmm. So it can't happen. Um, there's no longer a need to have a shield. Like they put stainless steel shields in between the anode and the uh, cathode for the electrode in the battery. It completely eliminates the need for that. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about like a 50% weight uh, reduction and anywhere from like a 3x to a 10x capacity increase per volume mm -hmm. yeah. and then like uh the ability to charge and discharge like 10 uh, an order of magnitude more times like instead of 1500 cycles like 15,000 cycles yeah um and that's like not going to happen right away that's probably going to take 10 15 years to get to that point but probably by 2022 um, they'll have probably like a 3x increase in capacity and probably like a 40% weight reduction, meaning, and I think this, this technology, Elon Musk is not going to open source the uh, patent on. Yeah. Because um, he open sourced so much more of his patents and he's been that's really the only, much That's the only reason companies like BMW and Ford and whoever else, uh, Jaguar, that's the only reason they're keeping up in the electric yeah. car industry is because he open-sourced all of that. Yeah. Like, every single one of those cars should have his his face imprinted on, on the bumper. <laughs> that says, thank you, Elon, for, like, right. not leaving us in the dust. So, um, that, I, I, they've said it's in April. I don't know if they've announced the actual date yet. Yeah. Um, but, like, last year... I love that. The, yeah, go ahead the analysts didn't catch a lot of the data that they did on uh, autonomy day last year. Yeah. And they kind of reiterated it on the earnings call. Tesla now has 3 billion miles worth of data logged for autonomy, for autonomous driving. Mm -hmm. And the next closest company has like 10 million miles. Yeah. They're like th 30 orders of magnitude. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, more data on autonomous driving and they decided instead of going like sonar they decided to go all visual mm -hmm. so it's all camera based they do have 
proximity sensors, but mm-hmm. you know they announced uh, their their ne- new neural engine for their mm-hmm. cars that just started going in last year. Have you seen anyway. the neural net implants he's been doing? Uh, yes, I have. I have that video saved on my YouTube. Oh, it's worth the watch, it's, dude. I know insane. it's insane. It's scary. They're putting receptors on on mm-hmm. synapses in people's brains. Yeah. That's crazy. It's unbelievable. And and basically what it is, is they, so like if you had your phone, and you uh-huh. want your phone to swipe up or swipe down, swipe left, swipe right, you can do that uh-huh. with, your, with your brain through the receptor. Yeah. Um, yes. Rather than crazy. your finger. It doesn't, like it's not yeah. operating an arm or something like that, but you can swipe. Right. These, they're trying to get people to swipe their screens. Right. Um, you have to go through a lot of tra- uh, training to do. But yeah. like, the, whole, the whole reason he got into batteries is he's like, I want to do electric cars. You know, global warming, the world's going to end, i got to do my part, we're all, we're all going to have to live on Mars, whatever. Yeah. And, and he's like, he's like, he went to the battery company, battery, big battery company, he's like, hey, I need a, a car battery that goes 100, 150 miles. And they're like, impossible, can't be done. The best yeah. we have is 50 miles, that's all you got, it's too heavy, can't be done. He's yeah. Like, he's like, I need, I need 100 miles, so I can't do it, 50 yeah. miles. He's like, fine, I'll build it myself. And the first one he released was like 150 miles or 200 miles worth of battery in, in yeah. a model... Um, the car about the size of the Model S or the Model X. Yeah. Um, and and it's just blowing it out of the market. I have a buddy that works um, like upper mid level management at BMW Corporate in New York. Uh-huh. And uh, they they hate Tesla. They hate Tesla <laughs> so much. And and his hit you know there are obviously competitive reasons for that. But um, he's all, he's like, oh, they're just building the, these cars. That, you know, they're super low on maintenance. Maintenance. They're never going to survive as a car company. You have to have maintenance to, to survive. And it's true. Like the cars don't need maintenance. And and right. what he's what he's saying is that BMW builds the need for maintenance into their cars. This plan. Well, it's not it. And, it's, well, they are. It's because there's so many more moving parts. I mean, well, that's true. There are more moving parts, and there's a lot of liquids and stuff. Like you don't you don't have any oil to change on a Tesla. You know. Um, yeah. But uh, he, uh, but they are building their cars to require. They're one of their biggest arms now is their maintenance arm, and he yeah. that's where he works. He's like head of um, head of uh, whatever they take to get the cars to come back to the dealerships or whatever. Yeah. And um, uh, he's finding ways to get cars to come back more often. Um, right. And I was like, I was like, that is the 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 that is the essence of the broken window fallacy. That if you break a window. It gives the glassmaker a, a job to, to fix your right. window, but they aren't accounting for the fact that, that that shop owner who got his window broken would have had, right. you know, he would have spent that money at the tailor or at the restaurant or at, right. uh, you know, whatever. So right. like you're not creating new money; you're just shifting money around. Right. And um, he's like, Tesla's going to, you know, cutting off their nose to spite their face because they don't have any maintenance. I'm like, dude, they they are. Their batteries are so much in everything. I got an advertisement on Instagram the other day for a beard trimmer that had a Tesla battery in the beard trimmer. And and I was like, they they are fine with having plenty of other revenue uh, options for their cars. Like, they're blowing everybody out of the water, and BMW wouldn't be close unless they hadn't made an open source and helped you guys out. So, like, there's no argument against, like, they are... The, some of the best quality road cars on the road, like they, yeah. I mean, they're 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 higher quality than Mercedes, like it, and they're, right. they're made 100 percent in America. Um, yeah, they're they're phenomenal. It's going to be 100 percent in China and 100 percent in Berlin. Yeah, and they're, but they, they are phenomenal vehicles, 
and I want, I, I yeah. want so bad. I want yeah. so bad. Um, well, Cassie's car, we're, you know, we're looking at replacing it in three years, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna invest in some. I'm gonna invest in some stock. If there you go. if it goes down comfortably enough before April, if it gets back down to the high five hundreds, I'm gonna buy some. Yeah. Uh, I might just buy some one or two anyway. Yeah. Because I have a feeling it's going to blow up if that's what they're announced. I'll send you the links to the people that are talking about it and what it means. Uh, it's very interesting and very. Uh, Potentially profitable information. <laughs> yep. um, and I don't care what people say about how they don't like the way the Cybertruck looks. That's that is more of a truck than any truck on the road. The more power, more utility, more versatility. Yeah. Uh, it has a, a longer and bigger bed. And in years, space, more yeah. torque, more more hauling power, more towing capability, capacity. And here's what Standard I think: all-wheel drive. <laughs> Yeah, hasn't been said about the Cybertruck, and I think the reason why it is on the timeline and the semis on the timeline is that it's on is because I think those new batteries are going into those models. Yeah, and well, it they can't say it, it yet. Everybody that pre-ordered yeah. either did it well, not everybody, but most did either a two battery or a three battery. So they swapped it from the, the single battery truck coming out first to coming out last, and they're going to get the twos and threes out first. Um, yeah. If you, have, if you get so, an option between a Cybertruck and a brand new, and I'm a huge, I love Ford. I'm a huge Ford guy. I've always been a Ford fan. Ford Mustang. Uh -huh. But if you gave me the choice between like an F250 Super Duty, uh, uh -huh. a quad cab Ford F1, Ford F250, or uh -huh. a Cybertruck, I would take the Cybertruck all day long. All yeah, day long. it's it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a good episode, man. Yeah, man. So you're picking the Niners by a field goal, right? Uh, three or four. I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. And because and, uh, and, and, you don't trust Reed. I don't. I really don't. And I'm going straight. And that's not a hint. That's just my reason why I think the 49ers are going to win. Yeah. Um, I'm going straight point. Uh, straight fanboy. <laughs> Niners all the way. Uh -huh. We're going to win by five. We're going to win by 12. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, get some other people on the podcast around draft time or something like that. Hundred percent, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, real draft, not fantasy draft. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Cool, man. All right, tell the family, hey, enjoy the game. I will. All right. All right. Well. I will. All right. All right. Bye bye. Bye. And we're back. Oh, great. Oh. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, wait, what, what minute is that that we came back on? Uh, at minute 33. Okay. Okay. What are your top three favorite Super Bowls and bottom three worst Super Bowls of all time? Uh, top three favorite Super Bowls are um, 90... 95 with uh, Steve Young. Yeah. Um, that's my that's the first Super Bowl I really remember. Or I'm, I'm sorry, first Niners okay. Super Bowl I remember. The first Super Bowl I remember right. is the, like the 92, 93 Super Bowl with the Cowboys. The yeah. Um, yeah. 
So, 95 uh, Niners. Uh, the first Patriots Super Bowl. Uh, okay, when they seven, beat the Rams. Dogs. Yeah, they beat the yeah. Rams. They were underdogs. It was right after 9-11, you know, and they were yeah. called the Patriots. And they had that, uh-huh. that big halftime show with all the names and everything. No, that was the best halftime show, yeah, uh, hands yeah. down. With uh, U2. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And the song was, I Want to Tear Down the Wall. Yeah. Which is ironic, because now we want to build a wall. <laughs> um, so, 95, and then the 01 with Brady. Um... What's my next favorite? Um, probably the Eagles. The Eagles. Yeah, yeah that was a good game. First. Uh, yeah. and for, and mainly because of Nick Foles. Like, yeah. what a good guy. And for him to get the MVP and play like he did in that game and beat Brady, like, unbelievable. Yeah. The late 90s and the 2000s, uh, we were very fortunate to have some really good games. Um, I'm going to say for excitement, I think... The Giants beating the Patriots yeah, was probably, yeah, yeah, with the helmet catch. That was just craziness. Yeah. Um, I remember I was mad about who won, but the game itself was completely enthralling. Was uh, the, the Cardinals and the Steelers when... Um, um, What's-his-face <laughs> from the Rams was the quarterback. Uh, uh, oh gosh, why am I blanking on that? <laughs> well, no, why the heck can I not remember his name? Uh, Grocery bag boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Arena football league. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna remember it. Arizona no, Cardinals, on. LA. That was Cardinals. a great Super Bowl. That was a great Super. I feel so bad he didn't win that Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. And for Larry Fitzgerald, I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was upset that the Steelers okay. won that. Oh, that's another thing is all this sentimentality around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Andy Reid. Yeah. Oh, boo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> Cry me a river, Andy. <laughs> if you don't win it, you don't win it. That's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> And then you don't, um, you don't deserve to win because you lose a lot, Andy Reid. Okay. Yeah. Right. I think. I uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, let's see. What was another really great game? I mean, I have to say uh, the comeback with the Patriots and the Falcons was unbelievable. Yeah. And the, that was good, but you know, yeah, the the Eagles game was really good too. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I would the um, Kurt Warner. Uh, Kurt Warner. I kept wanting to say Kyle, and I was yeah. like, I know that's not right. I can't. Yeah, Kurt. That was a great Super Bowl. Yeah. And then uh, so bottom three. I'll start with that. You can add yours. So the first two are super easy for me. Um, last year. As like in contention for the worst one, but I think uh, 2000 is probably the worst Super Bowl of all time. The Ravens and the Giants. Yeah, Trent Collins was the Giants quarterback, and Trent Dilfer was, was the Ravens quarterback. Yeah, that was That's just terrible. awful. <laughs> it's the worst. I remember being so bored. I mean, I was at a huge party. I was living in Charlotte at the time. I was at a huge party for watching the Super Bowl. I think before halftime, people just were not even paying attention to the game. It was so... Yeah. 
I like good defense, don't get me wrong. And that was an amazing defensive performance by the Ravens. But Isn't Ray Lewis <sighs> hot off of his uh, yeah. murder charge? Or witness of a whatever? Uh, or was it that? No, no, no. Or was it that following... I think it was it was because he went out and partied after they won the Super Bowl, right? Oh, and that's when that happened. And I think that's when it all went down. That's crazy. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think that's right. Anyway, and then uh, probably the next worst Super Bowl, the uh, the blowout by the Seahawks over the Broncos. Oh, I hated that game. I think we watched that. At Nilo's house. Were you there for that one? Uh, yes. Yes, I was. That was a terrible game. Yeah, it was an awful game. I think those three probably are yeah. bottom three for me. Uh, um, yeah, so Packers, Steelers, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Steelers. I hate yeah. that one because both those teams are hot garbage. And, uh, <laughs> I, remember, you know, I was such an anti-Packers guy uh, in my youth because uh-huh. they beat us um, in the NFC Championship game. Oh yeah, uh, Steve Young's last year, our second. That was the year they won, right? Yeah, and Brett, and, Favre. And Brett Favre. And I was so that, yeah. upset. Yeah, and I was young and impressionable, and you know, I was in junior high or whatever. And uh, I, so I hated the Packers for so long, and then, uh-huh. uh, and then I've, I've just always hated the Steelers. I don't know why. I just can't stand their color. The Steelers, the, the Cowboys, team, and the Packers. Attitude, uh, yeah, the Cowboys are, are America's team. Blah, blah. I didn't vote for them. Um, and, uh, and every so time they went up, they lose. Giving all my friends a hard time. It's like, it's like I'm looking at the rule book to see if there's a way both teams can lose. Like it's just. <laughs> Who cares about the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah. So that one, um, when the Niners lost in 2013, when I was sitting at your house. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Kaepernick threw a perfect fade to Crabtree in the corner on the on the five seconds left on the clock from the 10-yard line, or the five-yard line, and there was a, an obvious pass interference on fourth down, and they didn't call it, and they lost the Super Bowl. You may not remember that detail. <laughs> I do actually, but uh, they lost on a on a. Blitz I remember game. because of you. <laughs> uh, you are so upset. I remember um, that. And uh, so that's the second worst. And then uh, I don't know. Anytime, man, that's a third a third worst Super Bowl. That's a tough one. No. You missed a lot of bad ones in the late eighties. Uh, I could have, I could have named a lot of those yeah. blowouts. Like a lot of the the Broncos losses in LA's early career were bad games. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, Edom, but a lot of those Bills games were bad games. The first one was great. The wide the. Anytime there's a blowout, it's a bad Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, there was, there was a couple, couple years ago, there was a big blowout. I really love that. Is that the Seahawks? Yeah. The Seahawks Broncos, yeah, that one's yeah, really that bad. That's so boring. Uh, Last year's, I think, is probably over time going to overtake number one for me. Yeah. It was bad because it was so. It wasn't good defense, it was bad offense. Yeah. Remember, like, uh, no one could score. Was it, was, wasn't like. Wasn't it 3 nothing at the half? Yeah, it was brutal. It was a business. Yeah, yeah, it was gross. Uh, we got an interruption here with the baby. Sure. They went to the store, baby, because you were napping. 
I'm on the phone. I'm on a podcast <laughs> with Mr. Brad. Do you remember Mr. Brad? No. Hi. Are you going to cheer for the 49ers today? You got your cheer outfit? Yeah, so go Niners. <laughs> I've been training them well. They yeah. didn't know that Debo Samuel is uh, played for South Carolina and now plays for the Niners. Oh, uh, yeah. They're like, which one's the South Carolina boy? <laughs> um, well, let's talk about um, John McCree. We're at about 45 minutes here. So. Okay. Give me, Actually, give me my John favorite one is two. Yeah. Uh, give, me, give me your uh, full um, inductive hypothesis. Uh, I... Let me, let me just tell you, I avoided John Wick. I I heard all the hype. I was like, this just does not sound like my kind of movie. I'm like not into mindless action movies. Mm-hmm. And I think I expressed to you what I really, really liked about John Wick movies is that they, although they are like, mostly action especially the third one i mean there's so many action scenes M- way more than half the movie is the the fighting scenes and the the chases and all that but what makes them so compelling to me is because it's not about like trying to stop a nuclear warhead from going off or a dirty bomb from a terrorist it's just about a dude going against you know <laughs> the organization yeah. and like uh, fighting on his own yeah, uh, there's there's very low stakes, like globally speaking. Yes, it's all about him. Yes, and about his uh, his journey, and uh, that was what was compelling plot wise about those movies. Mm-hmm. The stakes couldn't be uh, smaller, to be honest. Right, right. Like they they, kill, they, they killed, killed his dog. dog. Yeah, right, and. Uh, yeah, that's brilliant. They they chose the smallest offense possible <laughs> right. for someone to go on that type of rampage. It's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, but I had the joy of you know I I splurged. Did I tell you why I bought a big TV this year? Uh, to make your life more fulfilled and happy. So, um, I actually got a call um, this past off season. From Chicago Bears ticketing office, I've been on the wait list forever, really? and uh, and uh, I got offered a private seating license, and I was like, "Oh man, I've been waiting for this for like decades. I cannot believe I got this call." And I was I was ready, I was ready to drop the money on it, and then I just looked at the numbers, and I was like, "Man, it just it doesn't make any sense." <laughs> Uh, I'm doing the worst, like, uh, buy high, you know, possible. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, pri- the private seating licenses are market-based. They're, right. They don't stay standard. Right. It's the, uh, the, um, the season ticket prices themselves, the face value, that stays pretty constant. You know, they go up a little bit every year, maybe. Yeah. But the private seating licenses are based on the market because... You know, they had that big season in 2018. The the seating licenses were ridiculous. There was like, they were $3,500 a piece. And then you have to pay face value of like 250 a game, including two preseason games. And so I was like, I mean, I could have pulled the trigger on it, 
it's not like I would have put us in the poorhouse doing it, but it would have, it was a significant outlay of cash. Yeah. And so, and, and Cassie understood how important it was to me. And she's like, if you feel like we can do it, it's okay with me. So nice. I thought about it and I thought about it. Uh, Cause it's a four and a half hour drive. We have family, so we'd be able to stay there for free yeah. and just, you know, pay the price of, the tickets and food and souvenirs and stay overnight for free. But, you know, I figured I'll probably sell some of them to recoup some of my cost. Yeah. But I was, I figured it was, it was going to be close to like $6,000 total, even after selling a few of the wow. late season tickets. Yeah. I was like, I can't do that. So, yeah. The week that Avengers Endgame came out on Blu-ray, I told Cassie, I'm buying a new TV since I decided not to do the season tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I saved this money. I had to to do a a bit of (laughs) interesting accounting, you know. That's what I'm going to tell Megan. Megan, I put the uh, deposit down for the uh, Tesla Cybertruck. Um, and you know what? I just can't justify it, so I should get myself a Ford F one fifty. Yeah, that's, I like that's I like new. your strategy. That's good. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so all that to say that I got this really awesome LG seventy seven inch OLED TV that does four K and HDR. Sick. And I got to tell you, the John. Two and three especially, but all three of them really are some of the best looking movies um, yeah. in 4K. It's not just the resolution, it's the color, like the HDR is unbelievable. Yeah. And you can tell that, like we talked about it as kind of being like, you know, noir except for in color. And they really did do a lot with color and and shadow in those movies that just is really amazing to see if you can see it on a on a nice in a nice theater on a good home theater system mm-hmm. it really is uh is something to behold mm-hmm. uh-huh. so yeah they were so i'm thankful for the people that recommended those movies and uh got to see them they are beautiful they are yeah Okay, can I just, you said Cybertruck. Can you give me like, just like two minutes to talk about? Yeah. Okay, so if you've been following what's coming up in April, the news. No. For Tesla. Okay. No. I am, I'm seriously. I follow Tesla closely, but I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, Battery Day. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know, do you know what's, have you like looked into what's going on with that? No. Okay, so I I told you, I went into this YouTube rabbit hole on Elon Musk. Uh, shortly before the, the fourth quarter earnings call that happened this past week. And I think if the stock price settles down a little bit from that earnings call, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to buy some stock. I should have bought stock last year, but mm-hmm. I think... Um, maybe I'm just crazy conspiracy person, but I think, um, I think Elon Musk is going to announce something pretty 
amazing on battery day. Um, I think that they have developed the world's first dry electrode. Um, and they're being so hush hush about it. Um, except for he said, I'll send you some links after we're done so you can watch the videos of the, the, why I think this is the case. There's one guy that lays out a pretty, pretty compelling case that that's, this is what happened. So, do you know who the guy, name of the guy is that invented the lithium-ion battery? Makasudi. No. <laughs> John, I'm not making this up. John Galt. John B. Goodenough. <laughs> <laughs> this is real. Yeah, John B. Goodenough. So he invented the lithium-ion battery back in the it's 70s, early 80s. You know, like in the lab invented it. Yeah. And it took a long time for uh, that to come to market. Um, and he he developed what I think people are going to be calling the first solid state battery. Mm-hmm. He put out the he put out a paper back in 2016, and with uh, a lady from Portugal about you know this battery. It's going to be probably the biggest development in batteries like ever (laughs) and I think um, I think people are just focusing on Tesla as this car company and forgetting about you know the how vertically integrated they are with their battery they they are touching every industry with every industry the car the car is just it's just a fraction of what that company, what Tesla, right. what Tesla is doing. Not, not, we're not talking right. SpaceX. We're not talking the Boring Company. None of that. Right. We're talking Tesla is in everything, in and everything because of their battery technology. Right, and it has the potential of being like. Here, here's what they're saying about if it's true. Um, no more risk of fires with batteries. Because yeah. the reason why batteries catch fire is because over time, the um, the chemical, uh, there's dendrites that go from the anode that connect to the electrode that basically like, it's like an arc inside the battery and it catches fire. Well, that, that can't even happen with this technology because it's not a liquid or a polymer uh, composition inside the battery. It's completely dry. Mm-hmm. So it can't happen. Um, there's no longer a need to have a shield. Like, they put stainless steel shields in between the anode and the uh, cathode, or the electrode in the battery. Completely eliminates the need for that. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about, like, a 50% weight produ- uh, reduction. And anywhere from, like, a 3x to a 10x capacity increase per volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, uh, the ability to charge and discharge like 10 uh, an order of magnitude more times like instead of 1500 cycles like 15,000 cycles yeah um and that's like not going to happen right away that's probably going to take 10 15 years to get to that point but probably by 2022 um they'll have probably like a 3x increase in capacity and probably like a 40 percent weight reduction 
meaning and I think this this technology Elon Musk is not going to open source the uh, patent on. Yeah. Because um, he open sourced so much more of his patents and he's been that's really... The only, that's the only reason companies like BMW and Ford and whoever else, uh, Jaguar, that's the only reason they're keeping up in the electric yeah. car industry is because he open sourced all of that. Yeah. Like every single one of those cars should have his, his face imprinted on, on the bumper. <laughs> that says, thank you, Elon, for like right. not leaving us in the dust. So um, that I, I they've said it's in April. I don't know if they've announced the actual date yet. Yeah. Um, but like last year, I love that. The, yeah, go ahead. The analysts didn't catch a lot of the data that they did on uh, Autonomy Day last year. Yeah. And they kind of reiterated it on the earnings call. Tesla now has three billion miles worth of data logged for autonomy for autonomous driving, mm-hmm. and the next closest company has like ten million miles. Yeah, they're like th- thirty orders of magnitude. Yeah, <laughs> they're like uh, uh, more data on autonomous driving, and they decided instead of going like sonar, they decided to go all visual. Mm-hmm. So it's all camera based. They do have proximity sensors but you mm-hmm. know they announced uh their their ne- new neural engine for their cars that just started going in last year have you seen anyway. the neural net implants he's been doing uh, yes i have i have that video saved on my youtube oh, it's worth the watch <laughs> it's, dude That's i know insane. it's insane it's they're putting receptors on on mm-hmm. synapses in people's brains <laughs> yeah that's crazy. It's unbelievable. And and basically hey. what it is, is they, so like you had your phone, and you uh-huh. want your phone to swipe up or swipe down, swipe left, swipe right. You can do that uh-huh. with, your, with your brain through the receptor yeah. um, yes. rather than crazy. your finger. It doesn't, like it's not yeah. like operating an arm or something like that, but you can swipe. Right. These, they're trying to get people to swipe their screens. Right. Um, you should have to go through a lot of train, uh, training to do. But yeah. Yeah, like the, whole, the whole reason he got into batteries is he's like, I want to do electric cars. You know, global warming, the world's going to end, i got to do my part, we're all going to have to live on Mars, whatever. Yeah. And, and he's, like, he's like, he went to the battery company, battery, big battery company, he's like, hey, I need a, a car battery that goes 100, 150 miles. And they're like, impossible, can't be done. The best yeah. we have is 50 miles, that's all you got, it's too heavy, can't be done. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I need, I need 100 miles, so I can't do it, 50 yeah. miles. He's like, fine, I'll build it myself. And the uh-huh. first one he released was like 150 miles or 200 miles worth of battery in, in yeah. a model. Um, the car about the size of the Model S or the Model X. Yeah. Um, and and it's just blowing it out of the market. I have a buddy that works um, like upper mid-level management at BMW Corporate in New York. Uh-huh. And uh, they, they hate Tesla. They hate Tesla <laughs> so much. And, and his, his, you know, there are obviously competitive reasons for that. But um, he's all, he's like, oh, they're just building the, these cars. That, you know, they're super low on maintenance. Maintenance. They're never going to survive as a car company. You have to have maintenance to, to survive. And it's true. Like the cars don't need maintenance. And and right. what he's what he's saying is that BMW builds the need for maintenance into their cars. This plan. Well, it's not it. And, it, well, they are. It's because there's so many more moving parts. I mean, well, that's true. There are more moving parts, and there's a lot of liquids and stuff. Like you don't you don't have any oil to change on a Tesla. You know. Um, yeah. But uh, he, uh, but they are building their cars to require. They're one of their biggest arms now is their maintenance arm, and he—that's yeah. where he works. He's like head of, um, 
head of uh, whatever they take to get the cars to come back to the dealerships or whatever. Yeah. And um, uh, he's finding ways to get cars to come back more often. Um, right. And I was like, I was like, that is the 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 that is the essence of the broken window fallacy. That if you break a window, it gives the glass maker a, a job to to fix your right. window. But they aren't accounting for the fact that, that that shop owner who got his window broken would have had, right. you know, he would have spent that money at the tailor or at the restaurant or at, right. uh, you know, whatever. So right. it's like, you're not creating new money, you're just shifting money around. Right. And um, he's like, Tesla's going to, you know, cutting off their nose despite their face because they don't have any maintenance. I'm like, dude, they, they are, they, their batteries are so much in everything. I got an advertisement on Instagram the other day for a beard trimmer that had a Tesla battery in the beard trimmer. And, and I was like, they, they are fine with having plenty of other revenue uh, yeah. options for their cars. Like, they're blowing everybody out of the water, and BMW wouldn't be closed unless they hadn't made an open source and helped you guys out. So, I like, yeah. there's no argument against, like, they are the, some of the best quality road cars on the road. Like, they, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're higher quality than Mercedes. Like, and they're, right. they're made 100% in America. Um, yeah. They're, they're, Phenomenal. It's going to be 100% in China and 100% in Berlin. Yeah, but they, they are phenomenal vehicles. And I want, I, I yeah. want so bad. I want yeah. so bad. Um, well, Cassie's car, we're, you know, we're looking at replacing it in three years. And so I'm going to invest in some I want to invest in some stock. If, there you go. If it goes down comfortably enough before April. If it gets back down to the high 500s, I'm going to buy some. Yeah. Uh, I might just buy some one or two anyway. Yeah. Because I have a feeling it's going to blow up if that's what they're announced. I'll send you the links to the people that are talking about it and what it means. Uh, it's very interesting and very uh, potentially profitable information. Yeah. <laughs> um. And I don't care what people say about how they don't like the way the Cybertruck looks. That's that is more of a truck than any truck on the road. The more power, more utility, more versatility. Yeah. Uh, it has a, a longer and bigger bed. In, more in here, space, more yeah. torque, more more hauling power, more towing capability, capacity. And here's what I think. That, drive. Yeah, hasn't been said about the Cybertruck, and I think the reason why. It is on the timeline, and the semis on the timeline is that it's on, is because I think those new batteries are going into those models. Yeah, and well, they can't say it yet. Everybody that pre-ordered yeah. either did a well, not everybody, but most did either a two battery or a three battery. So they swapped it from the, the single battery truck coming out first to coming out last, and they're going to get right. the twos and threes out first. Yeah. Um, if you, have, if you get so, between a Cybertruck and a brand new, and I'm a huge. I love. Ford, I'm a huge Ford guy. I've always been a Ford fan. Ford Mustang, uh -huh. fifty. But if you gave me the choice between like an F two fifty Super Duty, uh, uh -huh. quad cab Ford F one Ford F two fifty, or uh -huh. a Cybertruck, I would take the Cybertruck all day long. All yeah, it's it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. <sighs> well, that was a good episode, man. Yeah, man. So you're picking the Niners by <laughs> a field goal, right? Uh, three or four, I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. And because and, uh, uh, and, you don't trust Reed. 
I don't. I really don't. And I'm going straight. And that's Fanboy. not a hint. That's just my reason why I think the 49ers are going to win. Yeah. Um, I'm going straight point. Uh, straight fanboy. <laughs> Niners all the way. We're going to win by five. We're going to win by twelve. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, get some other people on the podcast around draft time or something like that. Hundred percent, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, real draft, not fantasy draft. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> cool, man. All right, tell the family, hey, enjoy the game. I game. will. All right. All right. Well. I will. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Cut out all the lights, see the light Gap pulled over, see the brights What you doing on the street at night? Wonder if they gonna read your rights 13th Amendment, three strikes Made a left when I should've made a right Told God last time on life Told the devil that I'm going on a strike Told the devil when I see him on sight I've been working for you my whole life Told the devil that I'm going on a strike I've been working for you my whole life Nothing worse than a hypocrite Change, he ain't really different He ain't even try to get permission Asked for advice and they dissed him Said I'm finna do a gospel album what have you been hearing from the Christians? They'd be the first one to judge me Make it feel like nobody loved me They'd be the first one to judge me Feeling like nobody loved me Told people God was my mission What have you been hearing from the Christians? They'd be the first one to judge me Make it feel like nobody loved me Make you feel alone in the dark and you never see the light Man, you never see in home, man, you never see the domes I can feel it when I write, point of living in the right If they only see the wrongs, never listen to the songs Just to listen is a fight, but you whoop me for the fight It's so hard to get along if they only see the slight From the love of religion What are you being from the Christians? They'll be the first one to judge me Make it seem like nobody loved me I'm not trying to lead you to visas But if I try to lead you to Jesus We get called halfway believers Only halfway read Ephesians Only if they knew what I knew of I was never new till I knew of True and living God, Yeshua The true and living God Somebody pray for me Hands on, 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 just say you don't throw me out Lay your hands on me Please pray for me Hold my cell phone down Hold it down Half on the down Somebody pray for me